Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Tracks. Oh, I did that last week. Star Tricks edition. It's for tricks this time. It's tricky. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Uh, what week? What week number is this for the uh, Star Trek episodes? Uh, this now? is week seventeen. So so many, and yet it is not. What's fun about that is that we are still slightly under ten percent of the way. Oh, next week we will be slightly over ten percent of the way. So next week we can celebrate. Next That's time. right. That's right. Next week we will have watched, well, we'll, watch, we'll have watched more than 10% of the episodes. Yes. Because they don't all go to week 176. But 10% of the weeks that we will But 10% of the weeks, although the weeks will eventually start getting less uh, onerous. Yep. Although uh, not, but look, not for 60 more episodes, so uh, it's going to be a while. Um, before we get into week 17, though, we do have unresolved business from week 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in week 16, uh, we had two episodes score 35 points. Crisis Gal- alert! It was the Galileo 7, mm-hmm. and it was Fusion. Yeah, hard to believe that. Yeah, hard to believe. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I gave the Galileo 7 15, and you gave it 20, and I gave Fusion 20, and you gave it 15. Yeah. So, <clears throat> what are you gonna do? Right. Uh, Ben... Uh, by the way, Ben's top episode of the week was the 37s from Voyager, but his number two was the Galileo 7. And so, uh, by tiebreaker points, uh, that's where it's going to go. And he was the only one who wrote in. Yep. And obviously he wants his vote to count as the tiebreaker, and um, no one else cares or is listening. Yeah, I think so, he wins on a couple accounts. He is the only other person playing, and he is the only one who had a suggestion. Yep. So this is what we're going to do. Uh... Uh, last week's winner is uh, the original series. Yeah, congrats to them. It uh, it pulls ahead now for the first time in many, many weeks. Well, as we've been noting, TNG has been on a real slide. Yeah. By the way, kind of continued this week. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, pulls ahead. Uh, so now, of the 16 weeks that have passed, it has uh, seven wins for the original series. Yep. Uh, and uh, also, for the first time in a while, the win totals... Uh, line up with the point totals exactly. So, like, uh. Uh, at the top is uh, is TOS. Uh, it's got seven wins, and it's got a, a weekly average score of 35.38 points. That's, that seems fine. Just behind it with six wins is TNG, and it's one point behind in the weekly average at 34.38. Okay. Uh, behind that, with two wins, is Enterprise. This is very short. I mean, I never would have thought that when we started 500 weeks ago. And it's a fair drop-off. I mean, it goes from 34.38 to 31.31, so over three points. 
but it it is third in in terms of average points also because it, it is now uh, it's now fifteen total points ahead of Voyager, which is sitting in fourth place with one win and an average of thirty point three eight. And I imagine DS9 is not cracking 30 points. Uh, nope. Uh, DS9 is uh, at, sitting at, uh, of course, with no wins, is sitting at an average score of 27.56. But maybe we loved this week's episode. It's a real stinker of a show. I, I'm, we've commented to each other a couple times this week, our surprise that it made it through one season. Yeah. In real time. Because imagine waiting a week and seeing another one of these and just going, wow, um, these aren't getting better. I mean, we did, but we were dumb kids. Yeah, I don't know how we did it. I mean, I guess it eventually... I don't know how much better it's going to get, but it's got to be better than what it is now. I I remember reading the novelization of Emissary Uh in Cody, Wyoming. (laughs) Yep. In in what would have been the summer of 1993. I, I don't remember feeling about Deep Space Nine the way I feel about it now. But it yeah. is true that the only other time I attempted to watch this, I got through about five episodes, saw that one, the next one coming up was named Dax, and went, nah. Yeah. You had not been impressed to that point. There was no reason to keep the project going. Right, exactly. Yeah. It was not worth changing a, a DVD for. Yes. So, well, that's where we stand through 16. But we have a in, fresh man. cop of five episodes this week. Um, one thing, though, is... Uh, we're ahead of Ben. It's happened before, mm-hmm. but we don't have his notes. So, a couple of things there. That means, I hope we don't have a tie. <laughs> he better get us those notes. Because now we know what to do with a tie. Yeah. But we don't have a tiebreaker vote coming in. Um, and another thing is, uh, I-, I will tweet using the Brother Data account uh, Ben's pick of the week when it comes in. Okay. So... The first episode we watched this week uh, is uh, The Squire of Gothos. I'll go. I'll go. I'll do it. I'll do this one. Why don't you? Check this one out. Listen to this, fuckers. So they, the guys, the space guys, were flying through space. And they were going through a void, or like a star desert, where there was no stars or nothing around. But then they ran into some kind of rogue planet out there. It was kind of a rogue planet just sitting there. And it turns out, the guy who lives there, Trelane, uh, had all kinds of mystical powers and wanted to use the Enterprise crew for his amusement. Yep. Uh, I guess he'd been watching Earth for a long time and uh, had picked up... Uh, some of their culture and stuff, so he was trying to play make-believe on Earth with them. Um, but then in the end, they get out of it, m- mainly thanks to Trelane's space parents who come and get him. Yep. What the hell? What was this one about? Alright, here's where I am on this one. Okay. Delight in martial glory is the immature attitude of the child. Well, I mean, that's that's true, I guess. Yeah. What's that worth? Oh, I figure that's worth about six points. Okay. It's not a bad take because, A, we do still idealize bullshit like that. Yes, certainly there are people who do and aspects of, of the society that, that that revels in military stuff and war. And, and, and B, it's teaching you how to watch Star Trek. It is, is ca- yeah, user manual. It's saying, 
this isn't going to be a show about shooting people and like and like uh, you know fighting duels and dumb shit. I mean, right. yes, there is there going to be a duel next week? Next yes, week, there is. Yes. Yeah, perhaps, but it will be. A but duel it's a forced of, duel of ingenuity and it's self defense. Yes, Bond. Captain Kirk doesn't want to kill that guy. Yeah, right. Um, we'll get to that. So yeah, it's about a six. What did you think this one was about? I went with Spock, and I said that intellect and power will fail against discipline and purpose. It's like, no matter the power of Trelane, he still behaves uh, like a little child. Yes. And so he can be bested by Kirk. You know, sort of. Yeah, I mean, basically. Um, I actually gave that a seven. I felt right. like it was specific enough that it was a real take. I think it is It is kind of a real take, and I think it is true of this episode yeah. in some regard that... All right, well, let's just jump right into it. What did, how yeah. did you think they executed on it? So, the, the premise is fine. He he acts like a child, so despite all his powers and everything, he's he's they keep tricking him into doing stuff and playing on his emotions, and Kirk is able to mostly get, get them out of trouble, except that in the end, his parents are really the ones who come along and save the day. Yes, but they have both. Right, exactly, yes. They have intellect and discipline and uh, power and purpose, so... Theoretically. So they, uh... They, they're the ones who actually saved the day. This episode was pretty cheesy, especially the way it ends with him just being a straight 60s child. Mm-hmm. Like, he starts talking like a kid and everything, and he's like, No, it's not fair! Yeah, he hams it up times a million at the end. Yeah, and I mean, okay, so for better or worse, this is like the prototype for, I don't know, 50 episodes in TOS and all the subsequent shows. Yeah, I mean, basically it of is. A, of a being that captures them to play with them for amusement or it's whatever. Gonna, it's going to happen again. Let's just say that. But what I really like about this episode and a lot of the TOS and TNG episodes so far is that the crew is, except for the junior officers, the crew is really capable and keeps their shit. Like, level-headed? Yeah, the the way the original series seems to work is there's always one guy who doesn't really belong on the bridge. Yeah, and you never see him again. And in this case, it's DeSalle, right? Yes. Uh, but it's like... Uh, although Sulu is not particularly involved in the scheming... Right. He, he, he stays pretty calm throughout this whole thing. He keeps his shit together. Yeah, and I guess, I don't know, It's the must have been just the way I grew up consuming Star Trek, that that's what I think of as good Star Trek. Where the crew has been well-trained, they're disciplined, they're smart, and even if they fall into some trouble, they're going to find their way out. And that's the, you know, that's what I like. So or I, they're, I, they're at least not going to become assholes about it. Right. And, you know, Kirk always does the thing he does where he pretends to pretends to have romantic things going on for his plan. In this case, it was jealousy and stuff like that. And so, yeah. I like I like all that stuff. I gave it a 7 in execution. I thought it was just uh, fine. It, it works better coming out of Kirk than it does coming out of Picard uh, in yeah. Menage Troy, for instance. Yeah, we'll, we'll never get to that, but if we do, we'll get to talk <laughs> about that great performance. Uh, there's going to be a lot of shit to unpack in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Especially considering that we've already seen uh, The Forsaken last week. So yeah. it's gonna that's gonna really recolor that episode. For I me. remember I gave that negative continuity points for bringing up Menage a Trois. That is that's correct. That's uh, <laughs> terrible. Yeah. It's a terrible episode, and it's a terrible, terrible that I brought it up. Um, I'm I'm more or less in line with you. Um, I gave it six six for execution. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, the crew, and particularly, I also wrote particularly the senior staff. Yeah. Never wastes time getting caught up in the illusions. They don't, like, try to shoot their way out. Yeah. They pay attention to what Trelane can and can't do. Yeah. Unlike Picard's crew when they meet Q, for instance. <laughs> yep. Like, when Q basically tells them, yeah, you can phaser stun me. Like, for, you, for sure you can stun me. And no, you, just that's just not, nah, whatever. You can tell by how worried I am about this that that is a, that is a valid strategy. They're just, like, they're in an un, kind of in an unbelievable situation. And they just keep their heads and take it seriously, and I like that. Yeah. Uh, but minus two points for sound effects. Oh, man! When, the, when he shoots the mirror? And everything just starts going sprawling, and then penny whistles and shit. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. <laughs> yeah. Uh well it's about it's about Desilu owned a sound effects library, I guess. I mean, really, it was the kind of thing that I I imagine you would hear in I Love Lucy. Yeah. Like when the chocolate machine starts going too fast or something. And maybe it's maybe she can't get the chocolate to stop and she gets chocolate on her. Yeah. That sounds like a good episode. Um so shit, through the first half of this episode's going pretty good. I've given it twelve and you've given it fourteen. Yeah, I it's um I did watch it almost last. I didn't watch it last, but I watched it near the end and I don't know if it, I was comparing it to the other ones or if I No, yeah, I tried to be as I tried to be as honest about it as I could be. I just thought it was a decent sort of Star Trek episode. Yeah, it's like and I listen, I watched it third. I watched it immediately after I watched this week's Deep Space 9 episode and I will say there is a difference in the quality of the two episodes. <laughs> uh, despite the fact that this episode is the corniest one since... What it do you think? Shore leave or, or does it go all the way back to iMud? Or Mud's uh, Women? This might have been cornier than Shore leave because Shore leave had a lot of different kinds of illusions going on. And this one, we were just in this dude's parlor for the whole episode. and Miri, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Uh, anyway, pretty corny, yeah. even for original Star Trek. Yeah, and just to jump off what you were saying, what we were both saying about the senior staff keeping their shit together, just contrast that to what's going to happen in <laughs> Deep Space Nine and uh, even in Enterprise, and just like how people handle things that come up. Yeah, you know. yeah. So. It's a good. It's a good. There, listen, uh, there may be some similarities between between what happens in this episode and what happens in the episode Rogue Planet. Yeah, I know. So, uh, alright, so we're, we're moving on to uh, fucking world building. Did, was there a thing in this? Did you have a, a world building idea? So there's some, but um, definitely world building for me was the weakest aspect of this episode. Yeah. Uh, or they did the least world building. Um, so there's uh, Star Deserts. They do place the ship 900 light years from Earth. Right. Which, again, anything that sort of cements times and distances is interesting to me. Yes, as long as it's more than four light years, I will, I'll yes. just go for... I'll, okay, that's fine. As long as they're not 10 million miles away from Earth, right? <laughs> right. Um, uh, they got that dildo beacon to signal the ship. Yep. Uh... I wondered if this was the first mention that the transporters convert matter into energy and back. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they've ever explained the general mechanism of it. I'm not sure. It would have, like, it, maybe it would have been a discarded clip that we didn't see in the menagerie. 
Oh, maybe. Right after the guy shouted that they've broken the time warp barrier. Yeah, maybe, but you know they didn't have their tech down yet in that episode, yeah. so hard to say. Um, Space Fleet Command, Uhura says at one point. They use a lot of terminology that I don't. I just, I, continuity's always a problem in Star Trek, but I feel like especially in the the original series, the people were just kind of writing something new every week. And I'm trying very hard not to hold it against this episode that later it was decided that Trelane is a member of the Q Continuum. But where was that decided? In some book or something, but I think it's it's well known. I don't like it. I don't know why, he, I mean... I, I mean, he, he I doesn't don't... appear to be a Dowd, so... Would you rather no. have him be a Q Continuum or be the eighth different kind of super powerful being in the universe? The reason I don't like it is because Q pulls all the exact same tricks, and then it feels like a real stereotype about Qs. I don't like it because then they become all the lizard guys are bounty hunters or whatever. No, that's true. That does suck. Now it's all the Qs like to pretend it's Shakespearean times or or Napoleon times or whatever. Right. Ugh, I don't know. Uh, uh, warping down to warp four as they approach the planet at the end. I mean, that's nothing. I gave it three points for world building. This is I, not a big world building episode. I agreed entirely. They spent most of the time in his parlor, so there's not a ton of world building you can do. Um, I give it a three as well. Uh, the Star Desert, or the Void, um, I know those exist in space, obviously, but I didn't know what they wanted to call them in this show. Um, I just noticed how close the captain's chair is to the ops and the con. It's pretty close. He can, he can, like, basically reach out if he wanted to and kind of kick the back of their chairs. I didn't realize the bridge was that small. Yeah. I'm sure that's for film reasons. Like, the camera's not very far away. Right. You know. It's like... um... I I don't know if I should say this, but like... uh, I might as well. Once I say it, you'll never stop seeing how close everybody stands to each other. I know. Uh, Particularly on the bridge in in TNG. Riker and Picard are almost always slightly touching. Yeah, the framing in these scenes is always very strange. Yeah. So I'm sure that that's, that's part of that reason, too. The The bridge is interesting. Yeah. Um, but it, sometimes I just see something like that, and I go, I know this is episode whatever, 16, 17, but it's the first time I've noticed it. Um, Trelane is a magic alien fascinated with Earth. I'm sure he's the last we'll see. That's really all I had. Yeah. I think um, one thing that could have earned maybe some more points would be like, if there was any discussion or consideration of what it means that there are beings like Trelane out there. Yeah, the, they do the, tend to kind of overcome the obstacle and they fly away and then no one worries about it anymore. Like, there's a, a nice moment. It's not anything, but I think it's in my quick hitters. But there's a, a sort of a nice moment at the end when Spock is like, what do I put in the log here? <laughs> yeah, what is this guy? What, like, I gotta send him something. How am I going to describe this? But And that's as close as they come to what does it mean for us to co-inhabit the universe with something like Trelane or Trelane's parents. The best version of that, though, is in Field of Dreams. When James Earl Jones picks up the phone to call his dad, when his dad has reported him missing, and as uh, Kevin Costner's character leaves the room, he realizes he has no idea what to say, and he goes, what am I going to tell him? <laughs> as, he's, as he's picking up the phone. How to explain this journey. Alright. Um, characterization. 
Uh, I gave it a six overall. I mean, most of it is that this is what I want to see out of these people. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kirk's on the ball and in command. Um, Spock seems pretty well recovered from his Galileo incident. He even gets to be in command for a little bit. Yeah, on he gets the bridge. a little, little shot of command. Uh, this is the second or third time that we've seen Sulu keeping a cool head in weird situations. I mean, it's not as not as much as when he had to like lean over and calm that guy down or do that guy's job that one time. The time <laughs> the other guy didn't belong on the bridge. Right. Uh, Uhura's black. It's not. Yeah. I mean, generally the characterization I thought was pretty good. Yeah, it's I like am. it's the first of many, many times that someone is gonna be real enamored of Black Uhura. Yeah, I am. Well, I talked about it in Quick Hitters a lot. Yeah. Um, so I gave it a five, and the reason I did was because I feel like, well, for one thing, I really only, I think two characters were in this that weren't Trelane. Yeah, was Trelane, that's the, and then that's was, the weakness. It's Kirk and Spock and Trelane. Right, and Kirk and Spock, and um, you know they don't do that much. I like everything I see, but there's not a lot of character work being done. It's mostly them just solving the mystery, and then Trelane gets to do all his uh, uh, wonderful acting. Um, but, okay, so Spock, uh, in command for the second week in a row, he very rationally objects to any more senior staff investigating on the planet's surface. Uh, and, again, he, he objects to intellect without discipline and power without purpose. And he um, tells that guy off pretty good. Tells it to him real straight. Kirk accuses the guy of coming to kill his crew after he just authorized his security man to shoot the guy. Definitely. That Sh- definitely did happen. I mean, he did tell him to use the stun setting, but still. Still felt pretty hi- hypocritical. It was a little it was a little bit hypocritical. <laughs> and I suppose my crew will be first, huh? It's like, <laughs> you just had your guy sneak up on him with a phaser. Yep. Oh, don't think that's not in my quick hitters. Yeah. Um... And then, obviously, Kirk always willing to fake romance for a plan. This time it's fake jealousy in order to challenge him to a duel so he can shoot his mirror. Yeah, he's got to get rid of this Yeoman because uh, Yeoman Rand would have picked up on what he was doing, and this girl did not. This girl was an airhead, but they still felt the need to put her all over this episode. Yep. In fact, she had more lines than anybody who wasn't Kirk, Spock, or Trelane. She was the most, the, the one in this episode the most after them. I think she had more lines than McCoy, for sure, yeah. Yeah. He's got to be there to tell him the guy doesn't even fucking register on the thing and then whatever. So even though it was fine and I liked it all, there just wasn't much being done. So I gave it a five. Yeah. Um, qu- quick hitters. Some quick hitters here. Mm. Uh, I loved I loved Spock reading the thing, the message, and saying, <laughs> yeah. and I believe it's pronounced tally-ho. <laughs> yeah, that was classic Spock. That was real good bemused Spock. Um, the way that planet was described seemed a lot nastier than the sleep apnea masks they beamed down with. I mean... Yeah, they were like, oh, it's fucking gonna boil them alive and there's it's like no toxic, oxygen. It's toxic tornadoes down there. Yeah, and then it's Without like, oxygen and life support equipment, you, you can't live down there. And then they all put on their fucking oxygen masks and nothing else, and just go down in their uniforms. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I thought the castle set was extremely bad. It was bad by local theater standards. Yeah, the props department did a real basic job. They did, like, a real high school drama job. Yeah. But, like, not... Not a high school with money. <laughs> no, not, not like a this is private not like, high school. This is not, like, Bellarmine. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> this is they, but they basically did a Delmar job. <laughs> they Delmarred it pretty much. Good, good job, guys. Hey, I've heard some things about the Delmar marching band. I can tell you about sometime. <laughs> okay, I'd love to hear about that. Okay, uh, particularly if it gives me insight into acoustics in any yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you all about the marching band. It's amazing. Uh, by the way, I I love Trelane's coat. It's very uh, continental. Yeah, it must be something that they just had lying around because it's a hundred times better than the set. Yeah, it was clear. Yes, that did not come from the same place the rest of the props came from. Like it looked like it was made by somebody who knew how to make clothes, mm-hmm. but it looked nice. Um, here's a here's a here's a guest star who can't speak French. His yeah. French is extremely bad. They made the guy speak German too. I'm sure that was awful. Also. It sounded bad. It also didn't seem period appropriate. No, he's doing a bunch of like Nazi goose stepping stuff. That didn't make any sense if he's supposedly looking at like the fifteen hundreds. This is my whole problem with this episode, and I will get into it in quick hitters. Um, okay, the thing where Desal tries to sneak up on him with a phaser, mm-hmm. um, and gets caught—that's a—that's a hundred percent on Desal. Just like <laughs> learn how a mirror works, man. What I have in here is DeSalle sucks at Metal Gear Solid. I mean, really, he would for sure have gotten caught. He's not good at that game. It's also, uh... Yeah, dude, he's so just slow real slowly sneaks... Yeah, just so slow. Goes as slow as he can, right in the mirror. They're just reflecting right on him, and the guy's just looking straight into the mirror, like, what? what's your plan? You got a phaser, you can shoot him from anywhere in the room. That's right, you can't hit him from 18 feet away, you gotta take two steps forward very slowly with your phaser drawn. He must be the worst aim on the planet. He's like, no, 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 I gotta get closer, I can't Wh- hit him from here. While he's looking in the mirror? <laughs> it's really, it's not good. Uh, it's like, dog... LaSalle, if you can see his face, he can see you. <laughs> That's the rule. That's I the know. mirror rule. Yeah. Um, when McCoy tells him the readings uh, on Trelane are unbelievable, why does Kirk jump to not alive? Mm, that's a good question. Very good question. I was like, why is that? Why is that number one? Yeah. Did you think he was a robot? Did you no. think it was Ruck again? He's been fooled before. He has been fooled before. Uh, I was proud of Sulu for not taking the constant race baiting from Trelane. Yeah. Of calling him Honorable Sir and bowing. Yeah. I, at first I was like, why is he doing that? And I went, oh, it's a Japanese thing. No, oh, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, whoever edited this episode had a perfect cutaway to Spock sighing like he couldn't believe this fucking guy. Uh, usually... Usually they make Spock do it verbally, but this one was perfect and nonverbal. Good. Uh, it is definitely the case that Kirk's first instinct with a child is to slap it in the face. <laughs> How many times did he slap him this episode? A couple of times, plus the one with the glove. It was pretty good. Gave him some good strikes. Normally again, he's ready with a judo chop, but he went with just slaps this time. Yeah, but well, because it's a child. I I still kind of think not only would Kirk, but I think Shatner would judo chop a, shi- a child for sure. Probably, <laughs> you know, for acting reasons. Probably, if the script had called for him to actually fight him instead of just, I guess, dem- demonstrating that he was an adult and Trelane yep. was a child by slapping him across the face, exactly. And again, I, I love Spock's concern about what to put in the logs for this uh, for this shit. It was very appropriate. Uh, I got some things. 
I get the feeling that serving drinks on the bridge would not fly on Picard's Enterprise. Well, they definitely wouldn't come in uh, styrofoam cups painted red dwarf gray. And I think maybe that's because I just remember Sonia Gomez spilling that hot chocolate all over Picard in engineering. I do think there's a no food or drink on the bridge rule. You never see anybody doing it there. I've never seen one person eating or drinking anything on the bridge, unless Q showed up with an apple or something. I don't know. I don't even... I'm just saying, like, that is not a thing that is appropriate. I definitely feel like we've seen more cigars smoked on the bridge than oh, yeah. food or beverages consumed. Do you think, Do you think like, people just sneak off to the observation lounge to have a little lunch? Do they go all the way down to 10 forward? I don't know, because as we found out in 11001001, I'm not sure what the layout of this ship is. And it's possible you can just walk 15 feet and you're at 10 forward. I'm not sure they haven't figured out. Because they walk from engineering to the bridge in, like, less than 10 seconds, and I didn't get it. That is true. I mean, we know that the turbo lifts go both sideways and up, and their name does imply that they go very fast. Yeah. I think if they had to walk, it probably would take longer. Yeah. I mean, the ship's pretty big. It seems big. (laughs) Um, let's see. Uh, Looks like they came across some kind of rogue planet. I had to put that in because of the other episode. Um, Is this dude's name Jaeger or Jaeger? Because I heard it both ways. Uh, huh? the science man. Uh huh. Yeah, um, old man science who kept reminding me of the first doctor from the cage. Yeah, definitely the kind that would serve you some good booze. Yeah. Uh, let's see. George Takei is not awesome at standing still. When they come in and they're supposed to be like still, oh, yeah, figures. Uh, Sulu is wobbling pretty good. Uh, also, by the way, no explanation for why he chose Kirk and Sulu. Nope. Just, you know, the first two guys who were standing in that area of the bridge, I think. So, I'm gonna get those two. If dude has been looking at Earth from 900 years ago, that Napoleon bust in the front is mad out of place. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of stuff in there that doesn't make any sense. Uh... Later on, there's some Alexander Hamilton talk, mm-hmm. and all oh. the the Nazi goose-stepping stuff. Also, he's got a salt vampire in there from the man trap. <laughs> That is from not from so, Earth or 900 years ago. Unless he's been seeing some shit in Earth that we don't know about. Oh yeah, good point. Like, oh, are the did, salt vampires did he, did he here? The, did he get that from Romania or something? Is that just what vampires are? Oh, see, we have the our depiction of them is stupid. Yeah. They got those weird, um, like loose butthole mouths. <laughs> exactly. Instead of like sharp teeth. Okay, uh, we always give shows grief for copying TNG, but this episode will be copied in many TNG episodes. Uh, that is correct. Such as The Survivors with the Dowd, and all of the Q episodes. All, every Q episode. Yeah, it's, uh, there are elements of this episode that show up a lot in TNG. Yes. Do we need... I mean, also, V'ger is a child. Let's not forget that. <laughs> yeah, that too, yes. It's a little bit of self-parody. Do we need... Unnamed Yeoman Blondie, I know she gets a name after I made this note, telling the captain how worried she is after they beam back? No. Like, is that what we need? Nope. Okay. Uh, ah, a Nubian prize. Yeah, he does say that. He assumes she's a slave that Kirk has captured. It's real cool. And the Queen of Sheba, too. That's just awesome. Yeah, she has the same eyes as the Queen of Sheba, so I don't know how long he's been watching Earth. Mm, Yeah, it's, uh, 1960s, just awesome stuff. White guys are always making Uhura play or sing for them in this show, and it makes me sad. Yeah, it didn't even bother him that she can't play the harpsichord. He's like, well, now you can. 
Also, it didn't really appear to bother her that she could suddenly play no, it. No, she seemed pretty excited by that whole thing. I like, couldn't tell whether she was under mind control or whether she just went, Oh, sweet, now I can play the harpsichord. Yeah, I think she was like, uh, if, uh, if I can still do this when I get back to the ship, Spock's going to hear about it. <laughs> That's right. He's going to hear about that green dick. <laughs> I'm going to compose a brand new song to be played on harpsichord about Spock's dick. <laughs> They're going to love this shit in the officer's lounge where the most exciting thing is chess. <laughs> Well, as long as you're not banished to engineering, because then you can only hear her on the radio. That's right. When you demand that she sings for you. Uh, Dang, dude, another captain's log in present tense at Trelane's house. When did he record that? Uh, Well, he described it as delayed or something, right? Oh, did he? Okay, I couldn't tell. I just suddenly he was like, now I must decide. And you're like, wait a minute, wait, what? You're, You're still there. Um, It is weird, though, that he did give it in... As though it was happening, despite yeah. the fact that he said it was it was after the fact. Anyway, it seems that's very. Fine. He has a great narrative style about his captain's log. It is true, and it's also entirely possible that someone is actually reading his logs. Yeah, which we suspect is not true of Picard's. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's pretty much all I had for for quick hitters. Yeah, um, I gave the best actor award for this one. Uh, to Can You Believe This Fucking Guy Spock? Mm-hmm. And the worst actor to I Would Have Won Trelane. And I think, based on what we've talked about so far, you probably agree with both of us. Yeah, I cannot disagree. Definitely, Trelane, he hands it up a lot of the episode. He's supposed to. He's supposed to be silly and, and you know, impish. But yeah, in the end, when he just becomes a kid, it's like, oh, this is this is some real fucking Twilight Zone nonsense right now. Yep. Uh, so, uh, I gave this episode 21 points. Okay. You gave this episode 22 points. It's a total of 43. It's eight more than the winner last week, and, uh, week's off to a real good start. (laughs) Yeah. It's a real good start. (laughs) Yes, yes. I think it's gonna be a good week. I'm very optimistic about the remaining four episodes. I think you're right, especially when you say the titles of each of the episodes will probably have an immediate reaction that will tell us how good the episode was, is my... Is what I think will happen. Yeah, I think so too. So, um, without uh, without further ado, I think we should move on to home soil. Oh fuck! Uh, the Enterprise pays a visit to Valara Three to ascertain the well-being of a terraforming mission, but discover that the crew doesn't want them there for some reason. Everyone is so shady. I, yes, I wish the whole episode had been like that. Like, it stops so quick. Anyway. Fin- finish the description. A scientist is killed by a laser. Mm-hmm. There's a flashing light in the tube. Yep. <laughs> and then um, they beam it up, and then there are two of them. Uh, then the lights take over the Universal Translator and declare war. Yes, they do. And, like, like, literally. Uh, and then the crystals uh, crystals tell Picard to come back in 300 years when humanity has done some growing up. Yeah. Oh, man. Got a lot of growing up to do. <clears throat> uh, so these, uh, basically, the scientists convinced themselves that the thing couldn't be a life form, even though it was like, it was like making shapes and prime numbers at them and shit. Yeah. It was basically and, uh, doing some no-kill-eye bullshit at them. Yeah. Uh, so, 
I don't know what your take is, but my take on this one is the uh, that the sunk capital fallacy continues to plague post-scarcity societies. Ah, where they're like, well, we were already here doing this thing. Well, it's like, hey, we're one year into our 35-year mission. <laughs> yeah. Can't abandon it now. Boy, that can't be worth that much. No, that's a three-point take for me. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, like, is it about something else? Am I wrong? Uh, well, okay, here's what I'll say. Because Troy said it about 59 times. Yeah, she says it a lot. It's something about obsession. Yes. Can an otherwise... This is what I settled on. Can an otherwise moral person be so obsessed with something, their task, their job, whatever, that they will do immoral things to complete it? Mm. Kind of an obvious answer here, so not the hottest take. It's more of a general concept. Yes. It was worth five. I give five for that. I mean, we're we're on the we're talking about the same thing here, which is that these researchers uh, are not demonstrating academic integrity. No, they these guys keep... are going to end up on retraction watch. Is what <laughs> I'm saying. Exactly right. They keep making the excuse that other people came to this planet first and said it was free of life. So yeah. no matter what they find here now, it's not on them. Yes. And also, they're not going to stop. They're going to keep going. And they're going to be mad shady about it, like. Their their behavior demonstrates very clearly that they know that they're doing that they're doing bad, yeah, and that they should feel bad. Yeah, uh, I wish the episode had focused more on a theme and been and had a strong take and taught a lesson because there was one to teach. The guys all they got like you said the the staff there all act like a bunch of jerks, but that's not really how the episode unfolds. No, it doesn't, particularly because the minute the guy gets killed in the laser, mm-hmm. uh, the by the laser, the staff, all the terraformers, they have no agency from that point on. They're just up on the Enterprise, yep. occasionally attending conferences. Like, it's, it, the show is no longer about them at that point. Yeah, I mean, and I would They've say... done all of the crimes against the beings that they're going to do. I would say that even more than that, and just to get into my execution, they backpedal real hard in the back half of the episode. Because at first, this main Doctor guy, the old guy, is a real fucking liar. And will do anything to not be discovered doing shit he knows is wrong. At least according to Troy, right? Troy's uh, like, oh, this guy is a fucking liar, he's a, he's a weirdo, there's something up with this guy, and he's acting like it too. By the end, he's just like a sad old man who knew something weird was happening, but didn't know what. And... Um, it's like they figured they weren't allowed to make this future science man a real jackass because Gene Roddenberry wouldn't let them or something. Well, but then they forgot to take out the first act where he's obviously hiding everything from them. Correct. <laughs> so it was like, well, what happened in the back half of this episode? And then, I mean, it really comes apart when the alien starts talking because then it, it, they're using the worst voice synthesizer of all time. And it's it extremely the, bad. The cheesiest sci-fi ever, and the ending is disgracefully uncreative. It's very bad. It's worse than any episode of The Twilight Zone, once those guys can talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, how did, what did you think of the execution? Boy, I didn't have a single positive thing to say about it, but I gave it five points. I, uh, I cannot believe it I, earned five. I'm downgrading it to a four. Okay. Just based on the fact that now that I'm reading it, I'm like, yeah, that... That wasn't very good. They didn't do a great job. Um, 
Yeah. The uh, only reason it kept a four is because, I mean, it, the theme still holds, but they could have hit it harder. Yeah, I mean, this is what I'm saying. Like, I, I, in my notes, I noted that my premise was kind of back-constructed. Yeah. It's the explanation for their academic dishonesty is that they don't want to lose their work and have to start over. But it's like, that's, that should be the least the least of their concerns, right? In future society, as we've been led to believe that all they care about is bettering themselves, yes. Right. Yes. Like, just go do this again somewhere else. Probably the fun part was the planning. Yeah. Like, the fun part can't possibly be draining water. Sitting on that planet forever? Or watching plants grow very slowly. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, it must be setting up the plan. Like, you should get to go start over and do the cool part again. Like, what what do they think is going to happen? The Federation's going to go, well, turned out that planet had life, so you guys are done being terraformers. You can never do this again, because you make any blew sense. it. Yeah. Um, just general, I thought that the episode was boring and weird. Yeah. And that the sinister terraformers arc wrapped up too soon. Yeah, exactly correct. Like, it, it just 80% of the episode is Picard trying to figure out the real deal with these crystals. Yes. Instead of anything to do with the setup. Yeah. Makes the first act completely meaningless. Um, I gave it three. I gave it three points for, for execution. Uh, world building. Um, let's see. Valara 3 is a place. Okay. Terraform- I will never write that down. <laughs> terraforming. I just like to note the places they go to. Yes. Um, terraforming and uh, the universal respect that these terraformers have. Everyone yeah. on the fucking bridge is like, they're the most glorious people. Theirs is the purest mission. Yeah, they're doing a big thing. Yeah. Uh, there is Terraform Command. Okay. That They have sent Picard on this mission, in fact. Uh, let's see, all of the stuff about this this life form and how he is supposed to exist. A lot of it is bonkers. Um, the, the cool process of Illumination game, they often get to play with the computer. If you know how to play and the computer won't, vol- you know the computer's not going to volunteer anything, then you can, you can get it to figure out anything for you. Yes. Just by sitting there and then just narrowing it down. And even Worf got to play in this one. Which was cool. Worf did get to play a little bit. Um, Although he had the he had the least uh, he had the least to say. He asked one question and the computer went, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, it gets points for answering some world building questions about how the Federation stretches so far and how the human colonies are all over the damn place because they get into a lot of the terraforming nonsense. But otherwise, nothing in this episode is really going to come up again. Hmm. Um, it still sounds like you gave it more points than I did. I gave it a five. Okay. Um, I had given it a one. Oh boy. Uh, so here is what I had. Uh, thirty-five year terraforming plans. Yep. Uh, there is such a thing on the ship as the programmer's restroom. Oh man, I didn't didn't even catch that. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That's a location on the ship. Okay. Uh, someone is trapped there. I think someone's locked in the programmer's restroom. Oh, when they're when the aliens are controlling the ship yes. or whatever. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also this inorganic life, but then also what's data? Yeah, they like, act like the this idea is the of first inorganic time. life shouldn't be a, like kind of a big deal to these people. I know they haven't. We haven't had the litigation yet. We haven't had the litigation. We haven't had the one where he creates lol. We haven't had, like they'll explore this a million times with data. Yeah. What is life and and the exocomps too? Oh boy. We're going to get into this a million times. You're right. But they should have it more worked out than they seem to. 
because everyone's like, I don't know, that shit can't, and we can't be alive. Do you get the feeling that no one has ever considered Data's existence? Yeah, it's one of the. We talked about it when he went. Hundreds of things that that no one seems to think about in this universe. Because we talked about it when they went back to his home planet, and it was like they had never thought about any aspect of his backstory. They just never considered where he might be from or who made him. Yeah. Until they got there and saw the replica hymns, and they were like, oh, you know what? That makes sense. Yes. Uh, You know what, though? I do agree that. that all of the stuff around the terraformers is bigger world building than I gave it credit for. The fact that they seem to be treated pretty respectfully and that it sort of explains all these dumb human colonies. Um, I'm going to yeah. upgrade world building, my world building score to a three. Okay. And you know what? We can't give it credit for this episode, but in the future we'll see more stuff like this, like the way the colonists, the people who are going to make the colonies are treated at the same way. Yes. Like, they're on the great adventure to go out and start these new colonies after the terraformers have done their job. So I think, uh, kind of like the space race in the 60s, that's what, like, terraforming and colonization is like in, in the 24th century. Like, I mean, th- everyone's th- real up. I think also that in a post-scarcity society, uh, people who have a strong calling would probably be respected because it doesn't seem like it'd be real easy to just jack off in the holodeck for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that, I think Gene Roddenberry has set up the universe that way. I think whenever you see somebody like that, who either is a famous scientist or you'll, you'll see it with various kinds of professions where people who are just kind of at the top of their field, no matter what it is, are pretty respected. Yeah. Uh, characterization. Characterization. Go for it. So, here's where I am on this one. Uh, Troy finally has some information that we wouldn't otherwise get. Right. So, that's pretty unique. Yeah, I'm tell- like I said last week, dude, I'm starting to sort of reevaluate Troy because she's doing more work than anybody else on this Yeah, uh, my feeling is that that's gonna stop around the time the episodes get good. And that's just because they figured out how to write for Picard and Worf. That's right. Yep. And then they're going to push her out to the side. But, like, so far in this season, she's actually doing a lot of the work. Yeah. Um, Picard tries very hard to be diplomatic here, and he has no sympathy for these dishonest terraformers. Yep. So I feel like that's that's pretty Picard. I mean, he has a famous speech that we will never get to about the first duty of every Starfleet officer being to the truth. Oh yeah, boy. If only so, we could get to that episode. Also, he treats Riker real shitty in uh, the Pegasus. Yeah, he does. For his minor moral failing. So that's all very on for Picard. Uh, I thought that there was a missed opportunity here for Data to engage with the idea of this inorganic life form. For anyone yeah. to ask Data what he feels about it, or for him to take the lead on it in any way. Yeah, for him to be like, hey, as a fellow inorganic life form, since you guys forgot I was in the room. Yep, I mean, it doesn't matter, because it will, as you pointed out, it will be endlessly addressed mm-hmm. in the rest of the series. But the, this would have been a, uh, the first, I think, the first real opportunity, and they missed it. And no one else is in this episode. so That's really true. Uh, it's a four-point episode for me. I had to agree. I gave it exactly four. Uh, I said Troy's using her cleavage and her empathy, like, right off the bat in this one. 
Yep. Uh, when when Riker tells the lady that she makes terraforming sound poetic, and he's like staining the front of his onesie, Troy just gives him a look like for fucking real, dude. He's just like, hey, look hey, here. we're all right here. <laughs> this, uh, we're just gonna do this right here, okay? It is a character trait we will see over and over again with Riker that he will hit on a lady in front of anybody. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't care at all. I no. mean, we saw it a little bit when he. He didn't mind telling everyone on the bridge that he'll never love again when the he's hologram not, disappeared. He's not ashamed of it in the least. No. It's, I mean, I know we will never get to up the long ladder, but <laughs> he's going he's gonna to put moves on this lady with Picard standing right next to him, eyeing him nervously. I really could not believe that he was allowed to go outside of the bridge anymore after that. Um, I mean, for sure. Uh, what she says about the lady is kind of messed up. Troy tells... <laughs> she, she says... <laughs> this lady is possessed of beautiful visions, but little data. Yes. Take that, women. Yep. Yeah, Troy's accusing you of being a dilettante. Mm-hmm. And then... I mean, she spends. She definitely spends two hours a day beating her hair, but... Uh, <laughs> and also, instead of a regular uniform, she wears, she wears a the DV. cleavage uniform, yes. Uh, but yes. But this yeah. lady, she got but nothing also, in her head. F- but fuck you. <laughs> I have some stuff about that in my quick hitters, too. Then she sicks Riker on this lady, mm-hmm. which is messed up as all hell. This is why we were excited to watch this episode, was for this one weird this is a moment. baffling thing. They're talking about the, the, the different staff of this terraforming station and but, what okay, they but, might but be able to get out of But let's place this in time. Yeah. Their buddy has been lasered to death, and yes. now they're all aboard the ship for the first time. Right. This has just happened. Oh, yeah. This bitch just lost this guy she's been living on this planet with for a year. Also, he seemed like the only other good one. So, her story is that they didn't tell her any of this shit because, I don't know, she's an idealist or something. So, she doesn't know any of this crap Mm. is going on. This guy just seemed normal. Like, when Jordy's like, well, have you considered this for why you're getting these weird energy readings? He's like, that's what we fucking thought. Yeah. He's not trying to, until until Bjorn Borg fucking shoots him a look. Yeah, but we'll um, talk about that, too, because that's baffling, too. Uh, yeah. So, like, she's the only other decent person on this terraforming crew just got all hella lasered. And uh, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, and Troy does give Riker a great suggestion. So they're just, they're in the, what, what is it, the ready room or something? Mm-hmm. Where they're just talking about the different terraforming staff and what they might be able to get out of each of them. She's, like, straight up coming up with interrogation strategies in there. And she's like, well, you know, this lady's, uh, you know, she's got nothing in her brains. Um, you know, I probably wouldn't get too far with her, but, you know, you might. And she looks right at Riker, and it's like, oh my god, she wants him to go fuck information out of her. Yeah, 100%. One, this is a thing that the so-called super-evolved uh, moral Starfleet people of the 24th century apparently think is an okay thing to do. Yeah, but she also, wants him to go run a Kirk on her. But also... They have a history, and in the first several episodes of this show, she was mad jealous uh, of Riker and wanted him back hella bad. And then Riker wanted it the other way. So they got their own thing going on, but she's just like, no, go fuck this lady. We need some info. Yep. The whole thing was super baffling. And, like, he doesn't fuck her. No. But she sent him to fuck her. It is true. And I wrote in my quick hitters that although Riker doesn't fuck her, they do still play love theme from TNG during the scene. Absolutely they do, because Riker has been making fucking Shatner eyes at her since the first time he met her. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, sure enough, was sent to go molest the shit out of her while she's like bawling like a baby about her dead friend or whatever, and all this the possibility of an alien life and all this weirdness. So anyway, so that was baffling. Um, <clears throat> Picard just bosses his way down to the planet. Like, how much authority mm-hmm. did Terraform Command give him? Because he shows up, and the guy's like, ah, oh, we're busy, we can't give you a tour, and he's like, too fucking bad! I mean, he does, it does, it's not clear. It it does kind of come off like he has the authority of having the Federation's most powerful starship in orbit. Yeah. With, like, photon torpedoes and shit. And, you know, and this is... there's four of these guys down there, and they're scientists. Later on, people will react to the presence of the flagship as if it is being used as leverage against them. And, and now I can understand why. why. Yes, yeah. exactly correct. <laughs> like, I think you'll see in a matter of perspective when the guy's like, we told you, we just need more time! Yep. And they're like, relax, dude, we're not here to do anything. I think this guy might have heard about Yeah, every time this. they pay an unexpected visit to a scientist, the guy's like, oh, for, for fuck's sake. You know what it's exactly like? It's exactly like in the man trap. When that guy was like, oh, look, there's, look, everybody knows we need salt. This is, you're here because we asked for too much salt? And they're like, well, <laughs> fucking relax, dog. <laughs> yeah. Fucking knock it off with the salt. But this is him. I think you're right. Just going, yeah, you know what? I'm captain of the flagship of the fleet, and I'm going to come down. I'm going to look at your lab. You're going to give me a tour. That's right. Because I said so. Because my, my friend over here said that you're a liar. I mean, he doesn't have... He's, he's doing it because Troy's like, this guy's shady. Yeah. But it, there's, they don't ground it in any kind of authority. Yeah, it's not, like, if she hadn't, if he didn't have a fucking Betazoid there telling him what everyone was thinking all the time, like, would he still be doing this shit? I don't know. Anyway. He doesn't even do a regulations require, Dr. Crush's staff officer regulations require that we have a, there must be a staff officer present at all negotiations. He doesn't do any of that shit. He's just like, uh, unless you're absolutely refusing, prepare to receive our away team. In which case, we got fucking photon torpedoes. That's probably what yeah. I was going to say. Um, he also accuses this dude of murder extremely casually. Yes. And then waves Riker off when Riker starts to be like, oh, hold on a second. <laughs> you yeah. think you're going a little strong? He's like, shut up. Yeah, they really home in on the idea that one of these guys had that guy lasered intentionally. Well, uh, I mean, it's I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but can we talk about that? Yeah. Okay. Alright. So they hadn't become a brain yet. Okay, well, whatever. Okay, yeah, so they get down there, they're talking to the guy, the guy starts to be like, but we thought that's what it was too, but then we saw this other thing. And then they come up to him and they're like, hey, shut up, guy, go over to the laser room. Right, so it is weird how he, and the guy's like, what, now? Yeah. Like, it's not laser time. It's not laser time. Heavenly shades of night have not fallen. <laughs> that's right, it is not It's not laser not time. laser time. Is not laser time. Why the does guy, he just send him to the lasers to keep him out of the way, or does he send him in there to get murdered? He sends him in there to the laser room, like because he he thinks the guy's giving the game away, and then the guy is nervous and does not want to go to the laser room. Yes, but if the aliens haven't lasered anybody yet, why is he nervous about the laser room? Why did any of this scene happen? It, it's not. It's not a well-crafted episode, is the trouble. Sure enough, ten seconds after he goes in the laser room, Screaming. he gets lasered. Yeah. Yep. I just, I... Oh, but, anyway. but by the way, he didn't, he didn't murder. It, it wasn't a murder. No, it turns out they didn't know that heck I was going to get lasered, which is just... So why, was the, God, why was the laser order so sinister? It doesn't, they, they it doesn't change. track, is the problem. 
they changed the back two thirds of this episode and just never went back to change the first. Uh, it, it it chases its tail in logical errors. That's correct. It does not earn a B plus though. Not B plus though. No. Um. Uh. Okay. Then Picard gets to play diplomat, but doesn't have any success until they turn the lights out on this fucker. So. Well, he has to have some leverage. I mean, yeah. I think that's probably true in most diplomatic situations. Picard is going to successfully talk people into shit too often. This is why I've already said a couple of times, isn't it neat that they met someone so rational? That's right. That, this, that, the, that their adversary is led by such a rational, nice person. That's right, yep. Uh, Riker doesn't do much, but flashes Shatner eyes at everybody. Um, yeah, he's see. sort of not a factor in this one once they get back up to the top. Worf is only in 10 seconds of each episode these days, but he's always great. Yeah. He gets to play the process of elimination game with Jordy and Data, and he gets real sassy with the computer. He does, he does, I mean, he does get to figure out what the components are in the thing. And then he's so. like, he asks the question, and the computer's like, I don't know. And he's like, I wasn't asking you. And I'm like, yeah, let's see some more of this guy. Uh, Crusher does a lot of troubleshooting and, t- and talking to the life form like it's deaf, but no character work is done. Yes, so, I gave it a four as well, like you. Uh, boy, that felt like quick hitters. There was a lot going on there. Why don't you finish up your quick hitters while I do some tallies? TNG, always so efficient with the exposition. They just put it all in the captain's log and then initial discussions on the bridge as they fly to some place. It's true, and sometimes it comes off real awful. Yeah. Uh, like Riker's in... down on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, sure leave it's a cheesy but sometimes effective narrative strategy because they did they really did get it all out of the my way my first officer has taken an away team down to make contact and they are in the process of returning to the ship Riker says the planet's <laughs> life forms are almost identical to us he's very enthusiastic captain sorry Troy <laughs> the doctor has something very important to tell you captain you've been talking about it for days sure leave for the crew <laughs> Uh, never by the way, this is, we've listened to that several times, and we've talked about it 150 times before we ever talked about it on this show. Uh, why does he mention in the captain's log that they're in the process of returning from the planet? It's I. Mm-hmm. It is I as know. if the log is meant to be heard in real time. That's what I'm saying. It's it's the same it's the same conceit as Kirk's bad log in Squire of Gothos. Exactly correct. Um, <clears throat> I really do not like the HD remasters. Because Troy's center front knot in her hair is really nasty to look at. Ah. Why did she build herself a head vagina? Uh, it's bad, but luckily it's not going to stick around. I'm not a fan of it. Um, I think unwillingness, we talked about this a little bit, to entertain Picard's lackeys is only suspicious because Troy is there. Uh, well, this is what I... It is the top thing in my quick hitter, and I think it warrants talking about. Yeah. Uh... Would Picard have just moved along if yeah, Troy dude. hadn't announced that Mandel was crazy afraid? Because he's an asshole, but he's also like a weird scientist guy. Yeah, he might just be not good with people, because, you know, he's an old crazy scientist. I mean, I feel like uh, season three and above Riker would have just been like, <laughs> this guy, and moved along. <laughs> That's right. Season one Riker, of course, who was onto Groppler Zorn from the first time he blinked. From before, dude. He before he even enters the room, he's like, nah, I don't like this." Yeah, something weird about this guy. What kind of name is Zorn? That's right. Uh, but yes, like, and then what would have happened? Presumably, the guy would have gotten killed the next time he went into the laser room. 
Everyone would have been lasered to death. So then they would just would have had to come back. So I guess we would have had this same story. Yeah. Because uh, I presume the Enterprise would have responded to that call. They were the only ship in the sector. It was going to happen that day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, if I, I didn't know it was laser time. It might not have been laser time yet, but... I guess. Whenever it was laser time, for sure. And so that... Okay, so then, big question. Hopefully not show-breaking. Is what Picard does with his Betazoid legal? Uh, it is a huge question, and it is one that the next generation encourages us not to think about. It comes up exactly one time in, in a very bad and rapey episode. The, is it the one, nego- the negotiation? It comes one? up in the, the Price, I think is the name of that yeah. episode. If, uh, is, it, is it frowned upon? Is it anything? Nobody Does anyone says care dick at about all? Because like, he just reads people's fucking... Not their thoughts, but their emotions. I mean, that's for sure why she's on the bridge. Right. That's why the psychologist is not, like, in her office talking to people. And if you think about it for one second in the context of a greater universe, it kind of all falls apart, which is why Babylon 5 is better, because they saw instantly that if they're going to have telepaths, they're going to have telepath problems. Right. There's we never there's nothing there's never any indication that there's any law. Yeah. Well, there's no a lot of laws that we have now that they don't have. I mean, I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> but there's clearly no HR. Dude, there is a a planet, a species of mind readers that's and part no, of the Federation. Nobody apparently tries to leverage them to nope. conquer them, or enslave them, or use them to their advantage, except Picard, who has one on his bridge and flies around and reads people's thoughts or whatever. Yep. <sighs> anyway. It is a, it's a big question. It's too big a question. Okay. It sh- for the, these writers, they would they never would have handled it. And I, I mean, I'm sure it, Roddenberry never would have let them talk about I, this. It's not something I could put in world building, because it's something, as you said, they go out of their way not to answer. Uh, so. Yeah, exactly. They try very hard not to get involved with this uh, question. Uh, this terraforming mission is using some fucking TOS instrumentation. All the panels in that lab look hella old and shitty. I also thought that the imaging globe they use seems pretty low-tech. Like, it basically seems like something you could see at the Exploratorium or whatever. <laughs> yeah. The Tech Museum of Innovation. It's just a globe with a screen over it that shows what will be at the position on the globe. Yeah. It's real low-tech. They're not working with the good technology. Yeah. Uh, Louisa Kim is delightfully racially ambiguous. I think they did that on purpose. Uh, Louisa, yeah, exactly. Louisa Kim is is a mystery name. Yeah, she's some kind of brown. We don't we don't know which kind. Uh, hey, what a shock! These unethical scientists didn't let the lady in on the secret. It's fucking boys' club, twenty fourth century. Bunch of garbage. Yeah, yeah, they definitely excluded her. But maybe that's because she had very little data. <laughs> Just beautiful visions. Beautiful visions. Very little data. Uh, How shitty must it be to be the guest star of the week and have nothing but techno babble? It's got to be rough. Like, the first 40 lines the Louisa Kim character spouts are just future terraforming techno babble. Yeah, and I didn't look this actress up to see if she has credits or or anything else, but um, her performance in this episode is bad. Like, um, like she could have been one of Mud's women. <laughs> like, there's definitely in the break room, in, or sorry, in the observation lounge scene when she's mad at the boys for not telling her. 
Mm-hmm. I I said to the screen, she can't read. <laughs> this is what they say often when we're watching TV. Oh, yeah. good, they got somebody who can't read. That's great. Because <laughs> it's not even like she can't act. She's not even attempting to act. She's only attempting to read, and she's not doing a great job. She does say this awesome sentence. Oh, Every right. single thing is specific and exact. Except for that sentence, I guess. <laughs> yep, except for that very general sentence. Yeah. I didn't I didn't bother to record it because she didn't say it in a fun way, but I was like, well, I'm sorry, what? Well, Every you, single thing is specific and exact. Did you record Jordy putting the wrong emphasis on Saline? Uh, no, Celine. I, missed, I, I missed that. Straight up called it Saline. Nice. Uh, I have questions... Okay, we talked about that. Questions about the first guy dying in the chamber. Um... No, no, that's the big, it's the biggest mystery of this episode. It It is from a different version of the script. Yes, that's the only explanation. Where it's an that, artifact where Mandel of an old script. did murder him. Yeah. Uh, data straight faster than lasers, bruh. Yep. <laughs> well, lasers, lasers are never going to make sense in TV. No. Everyone is too fast. Hey, when Data gets out and he's <laughs> he's swearing to all of them that it was like a mind was working against him. If it was anybody but Data, they would have laughed at him, right? Oh, for sure. Dude, it was like there was a fucking... It was like there was a guy in there with me, shooting lasers at me. <laughs> but because it's Data, they go, ah, sounds legit. Uh, and then he tells them that he's certain it's true. Yes. Uh, the master plan montage music gets used again. Um, when Picard is uh, spitting out a million orders to give the crew when he's beginning his investigation. Mm-hmm. It's like the music they use when Jordy and Riker are coming up with that plan in engineering in the last outpost. Yep, for sure. I love, I love when they bust that out and you're like, oh, we're doing a thing. And the thing's happening. We're going to see scenes of people walking through hallways briskly. That's right. <laughs> Once more, they do not contact Starfleet for scientific guidance on this possible new life form. They Mm-mm. just give it to Data and Beverly. Mm-hmm. So, that's cool. Possible new kind of life form, but don't even, don't bother asking anyone about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they when, should do about it at all. Yeah, no, just, they'll figure it out. It's not a big deal, I guess. When we talked about this episode about a year ago, you had complaints about the energy levels of this crystal guy? Yeah. Like if he's solar-powered? It's, it's uh, like, I'm sorry, but <laughs> the fucking two LED, like, whatever even more efficient kind of LED bulbs like that little lab yeah. are going to provide less power than a human being, for sure. And this guy suddenly has a lot of power. He's got, like, god powers. Yeah, and when they turn the lights down 50%, he's dying. <laughs> it's very badly done. Yeah. Just in terms of, like, what is a good piece of work, just ignoring the take and acting, and it's just like, everyone did such a... Everyone associated with this episode did a terrible job. I mean, look, from reading this this, this book that we've been reading, or you've been listening to, yeah. we know that this show always had a science consultant. And also that the show's science consultant, the, the, the job of science consultant, is to write some technobabble that half explains how a dumb plot thing could happen. Right, it, it has not, nothing to do with It's never science. to tell someone, well, that doesn't make any sense. That's right. I think one of the first one tried to do that a couple times, and they went, yeah, who cares? Like, and I, I don't think you understand out. what you're doing here. He figured out his job was to make sure that the science works for Star Trek reasons. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Also, within one minute of intelligence, or like the kind of sentience it has where it can talk to them and stuff, it has figured out all of the ways to dick the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. 
it's way better at Enterprise stuff than the people on that on the Enterprise. Oh well, Matt, that's because it is a computer. Oh, it's a computer. That's right. It's and you know how all you know how all computers understand other computers. That's why you can so easily transfer a file from your Mac to your PC. <laughs> well, actually, I thought what it was about computers was that every single one was different, and you have to get to know them. Well, that too. That's what O'Brien. That's one does. thing or the other. Yeah. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Who sent Riker down to the lab to fix this situation? It doesn't make any sense. And why this, by the way, this is normally what they send Jordy to do, and that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, he's also not... Like, why don't they send an engineer or data? One of, their, one of their six chief engineers could handle this, probably. Or even Wesley. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just send somebody who knows about things, but they send Riker. I mean, all he had to do was turn the lights down, and it turns out that the... The crystal brain didn't know about that control panel, so it was all cool. That's very lucky but, for them. But, like, they're not planning for opposition here. Because if Riker gets down there and that panel doesn't do anything, yep. what's he gonna do? Which leads to my next point. What a fucking loophole that everything they tried to do was locked out by the alien until they were at the right point in the episode to settle the plot. Then they just dimmed the lights. Yep. <sighs> because the first thing they wouldn't lock down is their life power supply. This is... Just come so back. So they've a- they've read everything. They've read enough in the to know everything about these people, and that they need to three hundred more years to mature. But they they definitely didn't read like the art of war or anything because <laughs> they are leaving their supply line wide open. That's right. Even Riker can get to it, dude. Did you see like fucking Florence Henderson as an ensign in engineering? Yep. Yep. That wasn't so good. Another one of these second careers. Was she in, like, the reserve and got called up recently or something? I'm trying I to figure know. it out. The, that haircut makes you look 15 years older than you are, no matter <laughs> who has it. I mean, it's a Pulaski haircut, right? It wasn't good. It was a bad do. Yeah. Uh, finally, come back in exactly three centuries and we will be friends. <laughs> Thanks, yep. science fiction. Good job. Yep. Uh, it's real hack. Yeah. So I had lots and lots of things to say about this shit episode. Yeah, cool, I got some too. When they, um, when the guy, when it's laser time, when it turns out it's laser time, <laughs> yep. and, the, and they go in after the body, yeah. uh, I forget who, Jordy or somebody, runs right up to the guy. Data fucking slices the pie in there like he's on a SWAT team. Like, he thinks oh, yeah. there's going to be Ferengi in the corners. <laughs> I think he thinks maybe this laser gun has laser gun friends who are going to pop out. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, they were won't defi- go in. for definite there were Romulans hiding in here, and that's what happened to this guy. It has nothing to... He went into the laser room, <laughs> then he got screamed, then he screamed a lot. Then when we opened the doors, he was hella lasered. That's probably Ferengis. Yeah, they don't go in until they've secured the room, which is like, oh, boy, okay. Yeah, I think Yar goes in with him. But you're right, David. Uh, Yar. I God, I forgot Yar existed. I forgot she was in this episode. Dude, she's barely in the show. I can't blame her for leaving. Yeah, of course she wanted off it. this show. It's cr- What was stupid was that she kept wanting back on. Yes. Uh, in his log, Picard specifies that the crystals were brought aboard on his order. <laughs> is that because he wants credit for it? Or because he's worried someone is going to think that Data went rogue and had them beamed up? Like, Oh, I got another question. Yeah. Did Data go rogue? I mean, it's possible that Data went, that this is a Sarjanka situation. <laughs> he does it all the time. <laughs> it's going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He, he's, he's, I think he wants people to know that he's large and in charge. Um, Beverly asks the computer to fucking throw out all logic and speculate. Who programmed a hippie mode into this computer? Because, by the way, it does say life. 
Yeah, like it's really impressed with its own thoughts. Yeah, uh, some deep shit. Like, the, I'm glad that the computer has college freshman mode. <laughs> Where suddenly it's like, I don't know, it's like life imitating art, or art imitating life, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, when Riker goes to seduce Louisa Kim. Oh, yeah. And he, uh, he hits her chime. Yeah. She says, it's not locked. How does the computer know what to do with that? It's because it's a smart computer, man. It's not only is it college freshman mode, but it's uh, uh, reading everybody's bad mood mode as well. Uh, like it's for sure, it's a lot smarter than Data, right? Oh, for sure, yeah, yeah. It's not close. Someone would have to tell Data to look that up. He'd and say, it's thesaurus. "So can I come in, or you didn't answer my question? Yeah. I, can I come in now?" What do you think Riker meant when he described the life form as colonial? I don't know. I mean, like, does he mean it forms communities? Like, what does he mean? But it hadn't yet. So I don't know. It hadn't done. It hadn't. It hadn't networked together into a brain yet. It was just. It was just two blinking lights at that point. It might even have only been one at the time when he describes it as colonial. All I could think about was, I didn't see you there. I was reading my colonial book. <laughs> Did it realistically have another character roll their eyes like, oh, this fucking guy. I mean, it's like the the word means something. And like, you would describe like a stand of, a whole huge stand of trees that are all genetically the same life form. Hmm. Uh, I'm not even sure colonial is exactly right, but the, the idea of it being a colony. Yes. Uh, but... At the point that Riker says that, it's it's still a one Christmas light in a jar. Yeah. I anyway. don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, no, I said once again, engineering is manned by a random ensign. Yep. It's, 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 the, the, the way this ship's engineering uh, department is organized doesn't make any sense in the first season. It is the heart of the ship, but uh, don't put anybody important down there. No, why would they? Um, who fucking, who elected Beverly to speak for the crew? Because she answers them when they talk. She talks to it like it's deaf, though. She fucking takes a step forward in front of Picard and screams at it. Yep. And, um... Crystal! Crystal form! Or whatever she shouts at There's a chain of command here. You are the ship's doctor. Not your job. Yeah, she's not. Yeah, overstepping her bounds as always. Um, everything that the that the crystal life said was terrible. Uh, oh, by the way, crystalline entity is another. Uh, yes, is another uh, or non-organic life form we've already seen. That's true. Uh, like I'm sorry, but the Federation should have classifications for this shit. These guys shouldn't have been weirded out by it at all. Yeah, you um, would think that in the end of this episode, Spock or whoever would know exactly how to classify this. Right, right now. So, oh, this, is a, this is a J-type non-organic life form. Right. Yeah, so everything that this thing says is extremely whack. But uh, my favorite is, Bag who drilled in sand of home had to die. <laughs> it declared war on them. It declared war. It mentions many times that there is war now. Yes. <laughs> Um, oh, and finally, another indefinite planetary quarantine. Oh, boy. Something that a starship captain just has the authority to proclaim. Yeah. 
You know what? No one can come here now. I decided it. I'm in charge. And Terraform Command will back me up on this. Tell the Federation no one can come here. <laughs> I hope it's I hope it's punishable by death. Uh, I gave Best Actor Award to Counselor Troy, who was the only person doing any acting. Uh, I wanted to give it to Mandel's crazy voice. Yeah, he... Um, they picked the right guy. They yes. Did, they picked the right guy to play this. I don't know whether he just hated the episode or what, but he I, You know what I think the problem deliver. was? They picked the guy for the first version of the episode where he yeah. sends the guy to his laser death. Where he's a murderer. But then he just they just kept him in this part where he just shows up in Picard's ready room two times and says, we were told there was no life here. Yeah. Uh, worst actor, Louisa Kim, was her actor's secret um, that the character was an unfrozen caveman? <laughs> That's how she knew how to deliver the best performance. I gave it 13, you gave it 18. You gave it 18 points? Boom! Check that out. That's insane. Uh, for a total of 31, so actually... Uh, although I originally I gave, it, gave it 19, but I, I gave it the same, the same score as when the bow breaks last week. Hmm. Uh, but that's because... Yeah, by the way, you talked me up from 11, so the fact that you went down from 19 to 18, you still, you still squeezed an extra point out for this turd. That's right! <laughs> um, so thir- 31 points is an improvement over when the bow breaks and yeah. uh, too short a season. Uh, not quite as good as one one zero zero one one zero. You know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, but that was not a good episode. It's not a good episode, but by the way, I'd rather watch it. Yeah. Oh, um. Sure. So, uh, thirty-one points. That's twelve points off of the Squire of Gothos. Um. And I don't like this episode, and I don't want to watch it again. It I wasn't will. good. I know that I will. Yeah, sometime in your life that you will have to watch Home Soil again. I'm, I've seen reason. it eight times already. Now I'm not done. Yeah. It's uh, it's very bad. It wasn't entertaining. Even the parts that were baffling were more angering than they were fun. Yes, and and uh, look, as we've we've covered some of this ground off the air yeah. in the past. Uh, there's some there's some real whack stuff in this episode, but it doesn't come together in an amusing way the way it does in the Binars episode. That's correct. Uh, but luckily, we watched three more episodes this week. Oh yeah, luckily, uh, including. <sighs> Dramatis Personae. Hey, uh, what's the worst part of this project? Oh, watching Deep Space Nine. It's hard to watch Deep Space Nine every single fucking <laughs> I week. was so sure it was going to be watching Enterprise. Can there ever just be one, like, they take a week off? No, they didn't do one. I hate it every week, and since I've switched <laughs> to your system, I have to watch it first every week. Oh, I, I know. All right, here's what happened, everyone. Uh, some a Klingon ship came through the wormhole, and it had uh, like a telepath, a telepathic energy on it. And oh, it, it, by the way, it exploded. It exploded. It exploded. But the the Klingon tried to beam on their ship before it exploded. So he brought the telepathic energy on the ship, and the telepathic energy made them play out this weird, uh, this weird fantasy game, where they're trying to, um, one side is trying to conquer the ship, and the other side's trying to stop them. So none of the people act like themselves; they just they're in a fight over who's going to control the station or whatever. And uh, I don't know. Odo figures it out in the end. I'm not sure what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't good, but guess what? In the end, they're all safe, even though yet another weird phenomenon has happened. In the Bajor system. 
It was just just fucking last week. Just yep. last week that fucking probe showed up yep. and infected the computer. It was last just week. Just close the wormhole. Like, it's over. It's, the we're done. is done. It's Cisco nothing needs to good go, comes through there. Cisco needs to go in there and talk to the prophets and tell them, we need a biofilter or something. <laughs> the best thing that ever came through there was Tosk, and he was hunted. That's right. So, that was literally the only fun thing that's ever come through there was Tosk, and yeah. I don't even care about the hunters. That's right. And I, you know what? The Wadi don't count. They were jerks. They were real. They were pieces of shit. And, so. and they just left their money and took off, which is a real fuck you move. <laughs> it's, it really is the ultimate fuck you. Oh, you value this? We don't, because yeah. we have Clompigs. So get the fuck out of right. here. We're going to go. The Clompigs are a reuse from Code of Honor. I don't know if we talked about that, but it, it it's true. Um. Oh, I called them Clompigs when we did that okay. episode. I don't right. know if we touched on it other than that. I forget um, which order those come in, but whatever. All right, dude, what did you think this thing was about, this thing? Um, okay, so this is week 17. Sure, sure. In in the order of of episodes that we've talked about, this is the 83rd episode we've discussed. Oh, not bad. It's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, We're crushing it. No take. This is the first one where I have a no take zero. Couldn't I didn't, figure it out. I don't want to do it. <laughs> like... Look, I've eked a take out of every single other episode, and some of them were very bad. Some of them were extremely cynical. It's, I will it's say n- that. It's no take, and and here is why. So, what you described is, mm. I think, what we're supposed to believe is happening. Yes. Is that they are play-acting mm-hmm. a power struggle that happens somewhere else because of this telepathic matrix. Fine, right? It's called Dramatis Personae. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. They are portraying characters. Yeah. Except for... They're not. Except they're not? Because they're still playing themselves. They're because just... they are themselves, and the conflict is the conflict on the station. Right. Like a pre-existing conflict. It's like they're being slotted into roles, but the roles aren't specific. They're very general roles. Right. And if the explanation was that it's making them aggressive or paranoid or something, that it's fucking with their emotions in some way, Hmm. that read makes more sense. Except that if that is true, well, A, first of all, that's not what they say is happening. Right. And B, if that is true, then the way the alliance is formed doesn't make any sense. Yes. It it is fundamentally busted that Dax is on Kira's side. Yes, I think they are randomly selected and slotted into general role-playing slots. But... Is how it appears. And you can't... I mean, I don't know what the take would be on that. But all the conflict is real. And we don't get enough from the Klingon ship's logs to know what the conflict on that ship was about. Right. But... But all of the... If all of the... If it's just based on their real-life shit... If it's if it's slotting them in and somehow it's modifying the play to be all about their real life shit, yeah. what is up with Cisco on the clock, dude? Because that know. is not from his real life shit. I don't know. He that enjoy- is some nonsense from the telepathic matrix. <laughs> in the end of the episode, he seems to be enjoying looking at that clock. He's proud like, of the clock he made. Look what I, did. Look, I never did make a clock. I'd be proud of it. He's pretty. He's pretty happy with it. But it's like he drew the plans and shit, too. Like, he, he made this clock. He didn't look it up on the internet. He didn't go to WikiHow or whatever. Right. And yeah, look at how to make his a, head. a clock. It's just... Do you suppose he kept that clock forever as a souvenir of the terrible time he had that week? 
I guess. Yes, well, we're, first of all, we'll see it in his office a million more times. So, uh, why did he keep that? We think that would be a bad memory. It's very bad. So, here is the thing. Because I cannot even comprehend what happened to them, <laughs> I don't know what to take away from it. Also, yeah. it wraps up instantly. Yeah. They, they are in their weird personas from two minutes into the episode all the way to the end. There's no lessons learned. Nobody learns a goddamn lesson. Yeah, no one even comes in and tries to teach us a lesson. Yeah. So, this is my first ever no-take. Wow. Okay. But what did you think it was about? I, you know, I took a shot. Um, so, I said, even among the future folk, there are still hostilities lingering just below the surface. It's not worth much. It's a statement more than it is a real take. It's like, um, I guess we haven't come as far as... We think we have, or it's an uneasy alliance, or something. I don't know. I, I give it a four on the take. Now, okay, all right. Well, we'll get into execution we, in a second. Yeah. But like, if that's the story they wanted to talk about, okay, there I were can, interesting and sensical ways to address it without getting into all the execution. I can explain why I chose this take. All right, let's in do it. In the very first scene of the episode, Kira barges into Cisco's office, all PO'd that this uh, what are they called? Uh, Fucking Valerians, Valerians, straight out of Game of Thrones. The Valerians, yep, uh, uh, from Essos, have docked at the station, and they used to run weapons or whatever, or, or weapon materials to, for to the Cardassians. Cardassians. Weapons grade dolomite. Sorry, weapons grade. That's dolomide. in my. It's in my world building. Yeah. Uh, so she's mad, pissed off about it, and he doesn't seem as concerned as she wants him to be, and so there is already kind of a uh, some friction there. And we've seen it in other episodes where either she wants to do something her way or Odo wants to do something his way, and Cisco is has to do it the Federation way. So there's stuff to lean on that they have these underlying hostilities, mm-hmm. so that when the telepathic alien whatever happens, mm-hmm. it can play off of those aspects. Also, don't forget all the times we've seen his secret love of clocks. <laughs> Look, it's not perfect. And if you want, I can jump into execution right now. Well, I think it's time for execution. You already told me you gave this dipshit episode four points for its take. I don't actually think there's much evidence for the take. Just the stuff in the beginning. But I couldn't figure out what else this episode could be about. Yeah, because it's nonsense. If they wanted to, they could have made it, like... It could have been... Okay. The scene before the Klingons show up kind of shows it. But then the writers P-word out. And it just becomes a standard scenario that plays out because of telepathic energy reasons. And the only Mm -hmm. reason it doesn't get a zero on execution is because I actually didn't mind watching it as much as I mind watching most DS9s. Oh, by the way, you're absolutely right. It was like... This episode was better better, to watch than last week's episode. They were all better characters to watch. Yes. More and more interesting things were happening. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was... I gave it a one point for that on execution. A hundred percent. Quark is in a neck brace and he's trying to press charges against Kira. And it's whatever. I'm sorry, what did you give for execution? One. One. Okay, great. Um... If, yeah, it had no. been, if it had been as boring as most of the DS9s, I just would have gave it a straight zero on execution. Oh, yeah. for sure. It's more enjoyable. I mean... I mean, I, I didn't love watching it. Uh, and, but yes, if this episode had been about something, it would have scored a lot higher than it did for me. Um, I had to think about what to do. 
Like, what do you score an episode <laughs> that gets no take? There's no take. I just, it's just, um, uh, execution score, not applicable. Zero points. Oh, boy. But what else can you do? Just tr- maybe try to judge it on the other aspects. How well just, was it made? Just be about something. Yeah, I agree. Just be about something. I agree, in- especially in terms of sci-fi, which we know is just supposed to be a fucking parable or whatever. Just a tale about morality or something. And this is the opposite. An episode of Jag would have had a better sci-fi take than this. Yes, this is. there is no take. It's all plot, but not plot that matters. No, and here's exactly what it was. Someone thought, man, wouldn't it be cool if they, someone could get, like, a telepathic virus? That's it, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, or they saw the episode Power Play and they went, that was pretty cool, we should do something like that. Uh, yes. So I mean, it is. It is Power TNG. Play, except I'm TNG, sure. So it's based I'm a, a hundred percent sure I'll be able to come up with something in Power Play. <laughs> yeah. For one thing, Power Play makes the sane choice to have some characters who are normal. Yep. I mean, Odo. Odo is normal in this, but that's just because they need someone to save them. Yeah. Um. So it got five points for me and zero from you in the first. Yeah, it's half? off to a great start. Boy, it's getting smashed. Because five, great start. by the way, five sucks. That's not good. <laughs> uh, world building. Yeah, there's some. It did some. Okay. Uh, we talked about weapons grade dolomite already. Yep. Um. Also in locked in there is the idea that the Cardassians uh, bought weapons. Yeah, we've seen a- we've seen before that they are not up to the Federation's level of technology. Yeah, and as always, the space economies of the future are very hard to pin down. Sure, yes. Although I think we will have ample reason to suspect that the Cardassians do not operate on a post scarcity economy. Yeah, yes. Um. Work Crew 7. Okay. Uh, There's at least seven of them. This is, it's just some some business about how stuff on the station gets fixed. Yep. Telepathic self-sustaining energy matrices with resonant frequencies. Ugh, okay. Cargo Bay 4. There's at least four of them. We got to see Cargo Bay 4 advance to the outside like you'd expect. So this is also stolen from Power Play. I think it's even Cargo Bay 4 in Power Play. It's certainly possible. Uh, security clearance level 5, which only Cisco and Odo have. There's at least five of them. Uh, and, uh, Odo has no brain. So, yeah. three points for world building. Yeah, I didn't know what to do with that whole Odo thing. Um. Yeah. I had a, most of the same stuff. Dolomide, Valerians, Klingons doing something in the wormhole. Yeah, which we'll get to that in quick hitters. I it mean, doesn't, it's another thing that doesn't make any sense about this episode. They are at least sending expeditions there, though why I'm not entirely clear on what they're doing. Um, Odo and his crazy body and brain that the writers couldn't figure out, so neither can anyone in-universe. Yep. Everyone in the universe is like, I don't know what you are, who knows? Uh, Telepathic energy. Um, Boy, I had that listed as a four. I feel fine. Four's fine. Uh, The stuff about Odo is enough for me. This episode's not going to get a lot of points, so it's fine. Hold on. My echo's talking to me. Shut up! Does it answer to Odo or something? I don't... Anything that might sound a little bit like the E word makes it trigger. <laughs> and I'm not going to say it. And um, But it triggers by accident about 50 times as often as I use it on purpose. So I'm, I might have to disconnect it. Uh, so yeah, so I give it a 4 on world building. So characterization. 
How am I supposed to do characterization in this episode? It's so tough. How they're do I rate them, this? They're not themselves for 98% of the episode's runtime. There's one scene before the Klingons show up, and, and everyone's brain gets all messed up. And there's one scene at the end where Kira apologizes for mutiny, and Cisco's not cool about it. Yeah. Cisco was not helpful in that first scene, which is consistent. Yes, not although... not like to do things. Well, we'll talk about this in a second, but yes. And Kira at least cooled her jets after her initial outburst, so uh, I gave it two points for that. For that, and Odo's still up and running. He does some C minus detective work, and then he extorts the bartender. Mm-hmm. So that's not the best. Uh, Quark also doesn't appear to be affected. Yep, yeah, um, but Odo does not turn to him for help because we've already had that storyline. Yeah, but he's an ambulance chaser now, proving that there is no kind of petty shit he won't do. Also. 99% of the people on the station are not affected. Yeah, it's just like the main but, people. But everyone goes along with some crazy shit, huh? Uh, hey, two points. I gave it two. Okay. Alright. Two. Um, I gave it one. Okay. <laughs> so, well, there's only a couple of scenes to base it on. Yeah. In in the first scene, why is Cisco suddenly so rulesy? Yes. Why is he like, no, no, you gotta have this shit tied up in a neat little bow. You know why, dude? This is the guy who sends O'Brien down to delay docking procedures. (laughs) But now he's gotta be like, nope, you're gonna let them dock on time, and I don't care that they're bad people, and whatever. Because in this case, what she wants him to do is take an action. And what he hates to do is take an action. So he uses the rules this time to be like, can't, no, sorry. Yeah, but but she would have done it for him. Yeah, probably, yes. He she would have been happy to do her. it for him. <laughs> yeah. It's just like him sending Bashir out to escort ambassadors around. Oh, God, he's the worst. They really created no likable characters. Uh, I also thought that in the in the first couple of scenes, Quark seemed a little slower than usual. Certainly in the scene where Odo's getting information out of him. Yes. I was like, how is Quark not catching on to this? Because yes. it's not subtle. Um, but of course the major character that can do any character work in this is Odo, and I don't think he's been sneaky like this before. And I don't think he should be this good at manipulating paranoia. <laughs> yeah, it's true. He always talks he's, about how He's too much he of an is. outsider, justice is absolute kind of guy to run this game on Bashir that he runs. Yeah, he's always complaining about how he doesn't understand humanoids and doesn't understand their motivations yes. and everything. But not this week he does. Yeah. Um, and then again, nothing anyone else did in this episode reflects their actual character, so... Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I think we agree that this episode was not nothing. It was nothing, because they didn't write a real episode. They just... They're like, wouldn't it be super cool if these dudes got taken over and then they, they were mad at each other for an episode? That was it. Yeah. I mean, it's going to take me a long time to add this up, so do you have some quick hitters? <laughs> uh, okay, just so the Valerians are straight out of Game of Thrones. Uh, Kira, so we're going to do nothing. Cisco, what he should have said, have you not met me? <laughs> That's exactly right. Check out those. Also, Odo is definitely going to say that Cisco seemed disinterested in one of the briefings, <laughs> and that's not like him, and uh, it's extremely like him. Yeah, he, on, Odo should actually Odo. suspect that Cisco's not affected. He's like, so everyone but Cisco is affected on the senior yeah. staff. Uh, check out those special effects on Odo's dang head. Yes. That's, 
that's where the budget went, I think. I think so, too. Hey, is this episode why Odo ends up with boy-girl feelings for Kira? Did he, like, misread this weirdness when she comes to him and she's like, Oh, Odo, you always... Yeah, you're always there for me. We're, we're, we're really good buddies, or whatever. Not only did I get those vibes from Kira towards Odo, I got them from Kira towards Dax, too. Yeah, like she was trying to pull a, a Kirk seduction on them. I think that the that was uh, not a visitor's take on Kira. Of this altered Kira is that she's going to try to sex it up, but she didn't really know how. No, she did not. Because it, it's not clear. It's not clearly coming across. Is it weird that I thought this was Cisco's best acting performance of the series so far? Um, He's all well, weird and quiet and then weird and shouty. We'll cut, we'll, cut to hands. It. we'll cut to what I gave it to him for, but I did give him Best Actor this week. Yeah, standard bad guy stuff, but I thought he did it okay. Yeah. Uh, that's all I had. There wasn't really anything to talk about in this episode. Um, yeah. Thank God Bashir was hanging around Ops. Who else would have told Cisco the Klingon was dead? <laughs> um, yep. And I, what I wrote was, uh-oh, they've given Dax some acting to do because she's doing that giggle thing at the beginning. But what really ended up happening in this episode was, I just miss sex, Dax. Yeah. She, Dax was real sleepy for a lot of this episode. I just want sex, Dax, back. Yeah. She's still the best Dax we've seen so far. Agreed. Uh, Quirk decides not to uh, use a communicator after Odo's sick. He just runs out of the bar screaming, Dr. Bashir. <laughs> I think we're supposed to know by now that the infirmary is, like, right across the way or something. I guess it, mu- it must be real, real close. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is the secondary hull on a Klingon ship? So it's got, like, a head, right? So everything else is the secondary hull? Everything but the 5% of the ship that's that little head. Okay. (laughs) Is my guess. Uh, someone wrote this for Dax. This saying, put the shoe on the right foot first, but put the left foot first into the bathtub. Yeah. What does that mean? I mean, Kira says, I understand. <laughs> so, definitely, Kira's a lot smarter than me, because... <laughs> yeah, that's true. That burrowed its way into my head, and I don't know what it means. I thought I thought maybe they were supposed to be... They were giving her inane sayings yeah. about nothing, so, so that that was her character, because she just kept rambling about shit. So I just yeah, figured that uh, was fine, dog. Deal. Is she supposed to be e-hot? I mean, what's happening here? Why? This episode makes masks seem like a masterpiece. Oh, boy, come on. That is uh, that is the one that I envision giving zeros to if I have in my head. I don't, I don't think it's going to score high, but that's because I hate watching it. It's very bad. So, again, we'll see what happens when we actually start awarding it points. But in like, 22 years, we will see what happens. Uh... Uh, Kira doesn't look strong enough to throw Quark around like that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that going on with her character. She's played by a slight actress, but she's supposed to be tough as nails or whatever. Yeah, but you can be tough without being, like, a power lifter. I agree. Uh, no Odo Cisco seeming like he can't be bothered to run the station is very normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the writers forget that power play O'Brien isn't the real guy. I, I swear to God, I think that's the only episode that they saw before they started writing him on DS9. Uh, Kira's boots. Kira's boots. Kira's boots. Mm-hmm. Are they medieval knight helmets or train cow catchers? What is that weird uh, detail on the front? That's a good question. It's got the same like holes cut out of it 
aesthetic that her undershirt has. Um, so clearly someone built a continuity for this, but it it's it doesn't seem like something a spacefaring race would wear. That's all. Agreed. Was the Klingons' big secret that they were going to establish a colony in the in the Gamma Quadrant? I don't know. I Is don't that know what they was supposed to make their enemies tremble in fear? Because they said that in front of Quark before they had that virus. I don't know what they They're, were up to, but that does but, not make me tremble with fear. But all we hear in the first officer's log was that this planet is not a fitting site for a Klingon colony. Yeah. That was your point? That make no sense. Oh, just like the rest of the episode, it does make no sense. I gave uh, Best Actor Award to Benjamin It's a Clock, Cisco. <laughs> And uh, Worst Actor Award to Jadzia Giggles Dax. Yeah. I wonder, how many of those has she collected? Is there any way to tell? Ooh, it's, uh, not easily. I haven't written it down. Okay. We'll, we'll think about it later. I can go back through my... I have all my notes except for week one, where I didn't have written notes. So I can go back and find out, but... Yeah. Just curious, because she, uh, she definitely sucks. She's not good. I don't know how much of it is her fault, but I am starting to think some of it's her fault. Some of it's her fault, I think. Like, as she should have found a way to shine in one of these bad, bad roles. So At least the, a little bit. What was the shit-eating total on this? Uh, so you gave it 11 points. Yeah! And um, and I gave it 4 points. Mm-mm. For a grand total of 15 points. Where does that put it? Uh, that is a tie for the worst episode of uh, TV that we have yet reviewed. But is it a tie with Move Along Home? It's a tie with Move Along Home, Matt! <laughs> DS9! Crushing it! An episode that you gave six points. Yeah, I did. I, I beat it up pretty good, but not as bad as you beat this one up. Yep. Uh, I mean, come at me. There's no take. Yeah, There's no uh, take. It's, uh, yeah. It doesn't make enough sense to be a take. Well, we watched two more of these shitty episodes. And I didn't say it this week, but again, the best part was the was the theme song. So. Yeah, agreed. Um... Still, so, uh, oh, by the way, uh, that's, uh, that's 20, 28 points off of the Squire of Gothos, so it's not going to win the week. They're pretty close, but they didn't quite make uh, it. Two, two more challengers, though, including, uh, including Voyager, for which we watched Initiations. Chakotay takes a shuttle into deep space to pray. But whoops, Kazons. Yeah, uh, his that. shuttle easily defeats the Kazon attack ship sent after him, and he takes the pilot prisoner. Then they both get captured by the Kazon Ogla. Then Chakotay breaks them out. Yep. Then they go to Vasquez Rocks. Yeah, they did. Uh, then in the end... The the Kazon that he saved, Carl. It's not Carl. Carl. <laughs> yep. Uh, shoots the leader of the Kazon to claim his rightful place as a Kazon. That's good stuff. Sorry, I had to say the word Kazon so many times. I hate that when you're trying to describe what happened in the episode and you just got to keep saying Kazon over and over again. Uh, also, it's Nog. Also, it's very obviously Nog playing yeah, Carl. Nog pulling some double duty. Yeah. Yeah. Un- unfortunately. The same parts of his face are uncovered as a Kazon as are uncovered as a Ferengi. 
So he looks a lot like Nog. And also, he has a distinctive voice. Yeah, I'll have lots to say about Nog, unfortunately. Um, what was this episode about? Alright, I, I went back and forth between a couple of things. What I ended up settling on was manhood rituals create bad men. Uh, they they have kind of an exaggerated version of of coming of age rituals among the Kazon. Sounds like you gotta go out and get get your murder on, or else you won't even have a name. You have to earn your name in battle for sure. Yeah, you gotta go out and fight <coughs> before you can even like have such as a like a multi syllable name. Yes. Um. So it's you know it's kind of an exaggerated version of it, but like oh you know boys in every culture have to go through certain certain things in order to become, uh, like, adult douchebags, so. So how do you square this with the idea that Chakotay, the parallel Chakotay draws, is going to to Starfleet Academy? Yeah, so the other thing I was playing with was uh, uh, what is earned versus what is given, or something. Right. Because he's like, your name's just like my uniform, or whatever, but it's like, hey, dog, you betrayed your uniform. Yeah, it's uh, it is it is something that is not mentioned. Would you in like this me to episode. just forget that? Because I know you've been all in on the Federation since Janeway signed you up again. Well, he's never been more all in than this. But like, you can't just pretend like you earned that uniform. You got stranded in space with these people, so I didn't know what to do with that part. But it just like in the end, and we'll talk about it. But in the end, it's like he goes through his manhood ritual, and guess what? Now he's a bad guy. Because he's a Kazon. And so he killed that other Kazon. And we're supposed to be like, oh, cool, he killed that bad Kazon. But, like, now he's a bad Kazon. I mean, that's pretty much what happened. The result is he's a bad guy. Anyway. Uh, I give it a six. Because I was amused by my own take. (laughs) Well, that's something. I I thought I had a good take. Okay. Uh, uh, My take is I thought was a little less good, which is... You must earn your place in society without losing yourself. Hmm. Chakotay gives Carl another way out. Right? He yep. What he wants to do is Code of Honor. Yeah, exactly. He wants to run a Code of Honor play. Where he's going to have this guy shoot him to death. And then be revived and by then Hollow Doctor. trust that he can be revived on, the ho- on, uh, on Voyager. And, it, you know, he sets up a code white and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he does his best to set this plan up. But... But then Carl says, you're not my enemy, and shoots the other Kazon. Mm-hmm. <sighs> uh-huh. And maybe... Maybe Chakotay did lose himself in becoming a member of the Federation, and that's why he left it? Yeah. That could be. Anyway. But he loves a, it. It's a three-point take for me. Okay. Yeah, well, he's reevaluating things in the Delta Quadrant, <laughs> for loves sure. It so much. It's his favorite. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it when he said that. Yeah. I earned my uniform! He's, it's like, uh, he's all in. Uh, uh, you're a fugitive. <laughs> like, what? Then I became a weird terrorist because I didn't want to get kicked out of my home that we'd been living in for 20 years. 20 (laughs) years we'd been there. I mean, I guess that's as long as the entire Kazon society has existed, we learn in this episode, so whatever. Yeah, okay. 
uh, execution of your take, or whatever, execution. Um, yeah, I wrote that it's, like, uh, suddenly human, plus, I guess, parts of I Borg, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of that Tosk episode. Sure. Uh, but that I didn't hate it. I mean, I gave it a five in execution. I agree. I gave it a five. Um, I think it's all executed fine in terms of not only my take, but I mean, it, I mean, except in the end where we're supposed to be like, "Oh, this kid's cool. He murdered that bad guy." But like, yeah. I, I don't think he learned anything. Like, now he's gonna be a big old doucher when he grows up. So, my God, he learned to pick his targets, I guess. Yeah. Uh, as for the rest of the episode, I found it strange that there was no B plot. Like the A plot definitely wasn't enough to keep this show going and the b-plot was just everyone trying to like find chakotay yeah i guess the the b-plot of this episode is neelix is looking for a little more responsibility that's what i thought it was gonna be but that only plays out in one scene in the beginning he's like oh i need more to do and so i thought b-plot's gonna be a neelix plot yeah it's extremely sparse for sure he doesn't do anything until he shows up on the bridge and he gets to scowl a little bit and like ah i'm neelix you listen to me kazon and then you're like, huh, oh, okay, that was it, huh? Um, and do we care about the Kazon? I think they missed. Ex- I think they missed their window with the Kazon. They seem extremely boring. Like, they're boring. So at the beginning, I thought that they were an interesting adversary because they're they're lower technology level than Voyager. Mm-hmm. But Voyager is one ship, and these yeah. guys are everywhere, and it's their space. Yeah, they seem to be trying to balance that there's only one of us with ever. There's only one of us with. The, everyone here sucks at life. Everyone in this quadrant. Yes. But I don't know. I'm just like. Whenever the Kazon show up, I'm like, so what? You know? Yeah, kind of. And so here's the thing uh, Voyager has been moving along home for a year. Yeah. Sh- shouldn't they be out of Kazon space by now? I have questions about it. Like, the Kazon's territory must be enormous. Yep. Or Voyager is exploring too many caves. I have lots of questions about it. (laughs) Like, I get that you're bringing them back and it's continuity. You can do that in the next generation, where they're zipping back and forth all over. Mm Mm-hmm. They're not headed in in one direction with one goal. You should never see the same enemy more than, like, two weeks in a row in Voyager. Not if they're moving as fast as they say they can move. This ship moves real fast. But we've already seen some weird course corrections, dude. Remember a few weeks ago they were like, well, we gotta go back to Talaxia to investigate that weapon. Yep. And they flew back there, and they're, and they and it's like, how far is that? No one says, but they were there in like one minute. Yep. And I don't know where they're going and how fast they're going and how much time they're spending stopped exploring K. It's hard to say what is happening with Voyager. Yeah, I agree, but... Yeah, yes. But uh, it's part of the thing that makes me not happy to see the K's on here again. Yeah. Because it's like... Presumably, they already shouldn't have shown up to take Seska away. Yeah. Like, we should already have been outside of their domain. And I think they try to explain it by like, oh, that they're a different sect. So that sect is over there. And we're yeah. over here. But That's then like you're the, right. They're like, the K's oh, this- not a bad idea that they're like different gangs. They don't have real unity among them. Etc. But this should have been the first six episodes, you know, I like, and then either, either you're done with them or you have to explain why you're not. And it can't just be like, oh, we're still in Kazon space. Yeah. 
I don't know. I just felt like it was a lukewarm episode. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Execution 5. Uh, world building. We learn a lot about Kazon ritual, etc. Yeah, we do. And at this point, I believe that we're going to see more Kazons. Yeah, after, yeah, after this long, you have to believe they're going to keep coming. Uh, proton beams, whatever those are. Hmm. Residual energy displacements. Let them know that they transported out. Uh, the Kazon currently have 18 tribes. Okay. They revolted against something called the Trabe. I bet, yeah. bet we'll figure what that is at some point. Like, I hope they're not just leaving that out there. Right. And, um... A code white resuscitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, four points, but only because I think that we're not done with the Kazon. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd give it less because most of what we learn in this episode is about them. I agree. Uh, let's see. Kolopak Col- is Chakotay's dad's name. That is true. And Chakotay's name is Nanaki, but he goes by Red 13. That's also true. Um. This is the Ogla sect of the Kazon. All the shit about their rituals and earning their names. Oh, look, I, I thought the stuff where they they had all the battle trophies and it's like, this is a piece of a Kazon frigate, etc. Right. You know. Um, I had here, these Kazon are pretty spread out, huh? Or yeah. is Voyager just making no progress? Apparently they're not. Yeah. It's very sad. And then before they tell us the story about the Trave I had written down, I always wonder how these tribal societies that dress in rags manage space travel. Like, it takes a certain degree of sophistication to come up with scientific method, research, academia. Yeah, you would think that the loom was before (laughs) those things. And a difficult space program. But it's all, they, I mean, Star Trek does this all the time, where they just run into some weird tribal dudes in rags, and they have spaceships with weapons and stuff, and you go, I don't really get it, I don't know how it worked. Yep. I mean, um, the first time we see the Ferengi, they definitely are wearing, like, a lot of furs. Yeah. Why is the computer program to tell you that an alien vessel is approaching? That's not helpful. Why not unidentified? Yep. The ship seems vaguely intolerant. Yeah, it's kind of a racist. It's the bioneural gel packs. They came, <laughs> yeah. they came from a racist. Some kind of gross alien ship is approaching. Lock up your daughter. Why do the case undress like the worst Final Fantasy characters? Uh, it's very true. They all are... They got, like, big gauntlets. They're all Riku or... <laughs> yeah. Gao. They're Gao and Riku, basically. It's not good. Uh, also, they kind of look like weird Klingons. I think I was just describing what I was seeing on the screen at this point. Yeah. They do look um, like weird Klingons, and they behave too much like Klingons. I guess those DNA seeders from the chase, they really got around. Um, it's kind of the only thing that makes sense. Uh, and then the whole story about the Trabe. Um, I also gave it a four. I, I'm, I mean, I could even be convinced to bump it up to a five just based on the fact that there's a lot of stuff about the Kazon. And like you said, I don't think they're going anywhere. I kind of feel like we're going to see him again. Yeah. You know what? Why don't you bump it up to a five? Look how generous I am. You're you're being very generous. It's crazy. By the way, I'm not sure. This episode is scoring much higher than that Deep Space Nine episode. I'm not actually sure it was more enjoyable to watch. It was extremely boring. Oh, well, look, right off the bat, it's a Chakotay episode, so you know it's going to be dull as shit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's just jump right into characterization. Hmm. It's a Chakotay episode. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Chakotay being such an extreme pacifist makes perfect sense, based on what we've seen before. If you forget that he was a Maquis, I guess. Yeah, what kind of Maquis was he? I don't know. Do you think when he was a Maquis, he ever scanned anything with a tricorder? 
<laughs> you know he doesn't he's doesn't like doing that. It'll disrupt their bodies or whatever. Yeah. Uh but he's so wildly pro Federation in this one. Uh um, I think the writers actually forgot that there are Maquis on this ship. It doesn't yes, exactly. They just oh, he's the Indian guy. He's the he, Indian fellow. He's the Indian first officer who's loyal to a fault to Janeway. Yeah. You're like, uh, wait a minute. <laughs> no, nope, hang on, though, you forgot. Uh, and also, everyone else sat this episode out. I give it three points. Yeah. Um, hey, do you know Chakotay is an Indian? I did know that. He's some kind of Indian. I'm aware of that. Uh, Chakotay and this boy form... By the way, have they said what kind? Mm. Is he Lakota? Mm. Boy, I feel like that's something we would have talked about. I don't know. I'm okay. not sure. Um, Chakotay and this boy form a weird friendship. It's It's fine. It's, I mean, it's pretty one-sided. It's a pretty one-sided friendship. I'm actually this is, kind of, It's the suddenly human thing, right? Yes. I, I said it was fine, and then I started wondering what kind of plot Chakotay could be, and that would surpass fine. <laughs> like, is that the best... I think that's the best you can hope for if it's a Chakotay plot. It's like, oh, it's fine. Um, What have they created with this boring caricature? I don't know. Uh, I mean, he, listen, we know that this guy was pretty checked out. <laughs> for reading that book? Yeah, he. this was a paycheck for him. He really did not like this show. And I don't know if that's because he doesn't care about acting in general, or because he just did the first ten episodes, and he was like, alright, well... This is nothing. It's super cool that I'm not gonna have to worry too much about paying bills for the rest of my life, so... Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm gonna keep showing up, and I'm not. I'm not gonna pull a Denise Crosby here. That's right, yeah, I'm not going to make that mistake. I'm not going to Will Wheaton my way out of this thing. But I mean, at least bit... Will, we- Will Wheaton had a reason to believe that he might be in movies or something, you know, he'd already been in Stand By Me. Yeah. Um, but Chakotay's still a better man than I, because I ain't going to be brain dead for any seconds at all for some little punk ass. Nope. Like, I'm not going to no. be like, look, I can be brain dead for up to two minutes and we can fix it. Like, no. I'm good. I'd rather be brain dead, not at all. It's a cool plot you do on Luton's wife, because <laughs> if she dies, that was what the stakes were in this thing anyway. That's right. Who gives a shit? We don't know her. I'm not sure I'd volunteer for this nonsense either. Then I, have I mean, my... we already know Harry Kim would, so maybe anyone in the Federation would. That's true. Um, then I put that I thought this was going to be a Neelix B-plot, but nope. He's barely in it. Just the one scene on the bridge where he gets to snarl and be a badass. Oh, he's Maybe. in it more than Kesk, who they take down to the surface for no goddamn reason. She really is not in the show. I mean, she I'm... tells him that that, that that circle, that the blinking circle thing that's stuck to the... It's basically a tap light. Yeah. That the tap light on the rocks is a portable power generator. And no one else is in the episode either. Everyone's just scrambling around to save Chakotay. Uh, four. Let's give it a four. He was really not in this episode. It's Harry Kim. Thank God. Should give it an extra point for that. All right, I'm going to do some math. But okay. um, did you say? Did you have anything to say about this feast? Well, I have here written down. Oh, great! A Chakotay episode, and one minute in, he's doing a Native American ritual. Voyager is incapable of being cool for as many as one hot minutes. <laughs> uh, Nog pulling double duty here. How old was that actor? Do you suppose he was pissed that he had to play a little kid until the day he, I assume, died? I assume, of some weird midge disease. I looked it up on Wikipedia. Um, most of the Wikipedia page about this episode is about why did they recast Nog as this. Right. Uh, and they said they couldn't find a credible teenager. The, the same team who found that kid from three weeks ago? Yeah, that kid was only like seven. Bring him back. Yeah, make him the guy. Let him be Carl. 
<laughs> That'd be great. Uh, Chakotay is concerned enough to beam who, the guy I started calling Nagla on board, <laughs> but then just leaves him there like a sack of Safeway brand Cheerios and doesn't even scan him to see how messed up he is. Nope, he's got shit to do. Uh, gross, they made the guy do a creepy bad guy kiss. The, the bad, the bad Kazon leans down it and gives true. him a kiss, and it was like, oh, no, no. And he's played by the guy who got his boat repossessed in Babylon 5. So that's mm. something that won't mean anything to anybody. The guy who's all mad uh, about society, and he's a terrorist on Babylon 5. And he he talk, talks about how everyone tells him it's not personal, it's just the times. Mm. And Sheridan has to punch him. There's some punching. I'm going to tell anyway, you right now, I don't remember this character. That's fine. Go back and watch Babylon 5. Anyway, that actor played the bad guy in Babylon 5. I want to. It's just got to be on Netflix first. I have here he played a bad guy in Babylon 5, and I, in the next episode, I will have it written down two times that someone played a bad guy in Babylon 5. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, oh, well, the, the people, the guys, the guest stars in the next episode belonged in Babylon 5. Yeah. Um, this is some um, make the banar shit, is what I had. Yeah, well, there so we go. had we had that in agreement. <laughs> Everybody always walks out of a senior staff meeting really silently. Mm-hmm. Like nobody they never ever... are joking or laughing. For sure. Yeah, nobody ever starts back up a conversation they were having on the way in. Nobody we don't really goes... do it on the Enterprise either, but it's like Picard. It's, Picard runs a different kind of ship, but like at least you still think that those people like each other and aren't aren't pissed off and miserable. Yeah, nobody ever like goes to an inside joke as they start to walk out. Nobody just leans over and goes fart salad under their <laughs> breath or anything. <laughs> I don't know. I just never buy it. I always go ah, actors. Well, listen, I often give the best actor award to someone who says something that could have been said in real life. Because that is the lowest, that's the low bar that we're dealing with. Exactly someone right. act almost like a real person. Oh, I recognize something about that character portrayal. That's right. It seems actor real in week. some way. Uh, that's it. That's all I had for this thing. Yeah, uh, I was so bummed out. So bummed out that the episode starts with First Officer's personal log. It's very depressing. <laughs> It's just like, oh no. And, you know, the show usually starts on the holodeck, and I hate that too. Yeah. They gotta just they, start better. You know, next week we're gonna be talking a little bit about the best way to introduce a record album, an album record. Yes. And, uh, oh, it's great that you think we're gonna be ready for that by next week, but yes. And uh, these guys need to take a, they need to take a, yeah. a, a look at that. For sure. Um... Chakotay running his hand in a semicircle along that panel, but he's just like, it's just in an area where there's no controls. <laughs> there's just like nothing printed where he's doing it, and it's like to turn the ship. <sighs> you know, we always, again, from reading the books and hearing the stories and everything, we know these people are not science fiction fans, and they are just yes. dudes showing up to get paid, and I always just wonder how awkward it must be to sit on that set and pretend to go bleep bleep bloop on some buttons. Yep, and the L-Cars system that is displayed in all of the late series mm-hmm. is very colorful and it's very stylistic. It's not possible to use like, even if, oh, yeah. even if the buttons were labeled, it's, it's nonsense. It's You'd for sure a nonsense use that system. thing so much that you'd memorize where all the buttons were. Yeah, exactly. If you just like showed up to the panel, you'd be like, uh, even if it's giving haptic feedback or something where the, when you touch the screen, it buzzes or clicks. I mean, we know it beeps then they would, that would never be allowed be so aggravating uh like it's just it's just not possible like just all those little uh finger shapes are labeled with numbers it's very bad yeah 
uh, Kazons do not strike me as the type of race to have a tractor beam. Yeah, where'd they get that technology? Yeah, that seems too much for them. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It Maybe it's less complicated than warp drive. They have to have warp drive or the show doesn't work. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They just don't seem like they should have a tractor beam. That's all. Right. I agree. Uh, did the Kazon fix Chicote's aft shields? Yeah, apparently, apparently they started to repair that shuttle because the shields are back when he gets back in it. Yeah, the shields are back. Um, leaving Paris and Neelix in charge on Voyager. That's a rough scene. Why does she feel the need to go herself to the planet? Because she loves Chicote and he loves her. He is Starfleet's greatest officer. Yes. She owes it to him for all of the loyalty that he showed her. <laughs> for one year after post monkey after becoming a traitor <laughs> yeah, the writers are so bad uh aren't the Kazon so nuts because their society's like 20 years old and they just haven't figured it out yet yeah it could be yeah that's fine uh Matthew I gave the best actor award to not applicable uh, yeah and the worst actor to Chakotay more deserving set of awards have never been given <laughs> So we talked a ton of shit about this episode. Uh-huh. But in the end, I gave it 15 points. Yep. And you gave it 20 points. It was fine. For a total of 35 points, which would have been a tie last week for the lead. Um, not enough to pass the Squire of Gothos this week. But uh, this is one of those correlations where liking an episode and scoring an episode don't line up. Yep. Because this episode was not great at all to watch. And again, also sort of the case with with the terrible episode Dramatis Personae. Yeah. Which was not as bad to watch as it was to describe. Yeah, some things don't fit very well into our rubric. But I don't blame the rubric. The rubric is based on trying to make a dispassionate appraisal of what this yes. episode is. Exactly. And, you know, we're scoring this as Star Trek. We're not scoring these as... Transformers Epis- movies? Episodes of Modern Family or whatever, okay. where if you if you didn't hate it, that's fine. That's right, yeah. Um okay, so Square of Gothos still still out front. Um but we have one more episode to watch. This week it is Rogue Planet. That was fascinating. Thank you. <laughs> That's a piano version of the Red Dwarf theme song. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, okay. So uh, they uh, they find a rogue planet. I'm just going to skip over what that is. <laughs> they find a rogue planet, and there are some hunters on it. They're hunting these uh, pigs or whatever. But it turns out what they're really hunting is uh, some telepathic shapeshifters. <laughs> because they're the most dangerous prey or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's up to Archer, who thinks he might be going crazy or something, to uh, communicate with these changelings and find a way to save them from these bad alien hunters. I'm glad that you did the synopsis of this episode, because it turns <laughs> out I stopped writing it down halfway through. <laughs> You're like, eh, I got, the, I got. The, last, the last sentence in my synopsis is, Archer sees a vision of a human woman and no one believes him. Because you wanted to stop watching the episode there. 
Probably. Basically, yeah. Uh, I've scored the last couple of weeks of Enterprise episodes relatively high, particularly for me. I mean, I gave Shadows of Pajama 19 and Shuttlepod 1 a 20 and Fusion a 20. Right. 20 is pretty good for me. Yeah, I mean, if we both give it a 20, it's a 40. That's definitely right. above that's, average for that's these episodes. That's definitely a solid episode. Yeah. Uh, this one I did not no. score so high. Me neither. And I will say, by the way, I have not written down an episode description in many, many weeks. Because it was just extra effort, and I, I would rather just ramble through it. <laughs> I'd rather just go, what the hell happened in this episode? Yeah. Uh, take. Yeah, Matt, is the take of this episode hunting is pretty gross? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. I, I, this is a, this is a, this was the second poser for me. Like, yeah. of the, obviously... Obviously, DP baffled me. Right. <laughs> Just completely baffled me. Yep. But this one I spent some time with also, and I couldn't get anything more concrete than that. Mm. There's there's very little stuff. So the hunters say that the creatures aren't sentient or intelligent in the way that you expect them to be. Yeah. and that But that just feels like a justification because they want to keep hunting them, but... But no alternate motivation for them to hunt them is it really explored. Nope. It's just... They don't give anything else to latch on to except maybe don't hunt. Yep. Is kind of what it is. I think you hit it. But it's like... What? And this is an execution problem. Yeah. What is the parrot? What's the thing we're not supposed to do? Because even in this episode, they're like, yeah, shoot the pigs. Yep, they eat the pigs. They're happy to eat the pigs. Yeah, I agree. And it's not like don't hunt don't hunt gorillas and monkeys because no. the hunters don't hunt primates. They're like, "Oh, they have uh, they have some higher primates or whatever he calls them. They have some primates. We don't we don't hunt them. We just if hunt it's, these pigs." If it's don't hunt sirens, yeah. No shit. <laughs> Duh. Fine. Yeah. Anyway, I, that's why all we've got here is I just put hunting is pretty gross. It's a it's a three point take for me. I can't believe I guess up to three. So okay, so the it's shape, something the shapeshifter at the end says never stop seeking what seems unobtainable. But I can't see how that could possibly be this episode's. Premise. It doesn't seem like it applies. It seemed like she was saying it to wrap up the episode, but I didn't know what that was about. Yeah, I have hunting is bad nine question marks, and I gave that a one. It's tough. I uh, I mean great. Thanks for that. I think this is an episode where the really all they wanted to do was tell a fun story. Ugh, boy. They failed. Yeah. They failed so hard. Okay, execution. So, um, seems like some thinly veiled stuff about how hunting animals is bad because you never know. They could be smart or feel it more acutely than you think or whatever. Uh, this telepathic alien could have cleared all this up real quick by simply appearing to the rest of the away team. It would have been real easy. Instead, we have to do all this dumb is Archer crazy bullcrap because it's only appearing to Archer, which is just stalling because they didn't write enough plot. Then, after Archer has already learned the truth about the creatures, the hunters just come out and confess that they're hunting uh-huh. telepathic beings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very uh, too short a season. Yeah, like, why did they keep it a secret, and then why only until Archer had figured it out? Yeah, Who wrote uh, this? And all Archer had to do to get it out of them... Um, was was be like, well, I don't know. Good good luck tomorrow. Hope 
Hope you do better hunting tomorrow. Hope you catch some of those pigs or whatever. Yeah, and then they're like, well, look, we've been hunting with you guys for a few days. We'll let you in on it. <laughs> You're cool. <laughs> hey, I got another question that's execution related. Why did it have to be a rogue planet? It does not make any... I mean, I guess because so it can always be nighttime, but yeah. like... I mean, isn't visiting... Not, re- not required. <laughs> yeah, let me just... Okay, so isn't visiting regular alien worlds adventure enough? And the thing just looks like a forest anyway. Also, and, like, if that's the explanation for them going down there, you don't need it. Archer goes down to every planet. He will visit any planet. Yeah. And and yeah, it's dark all the time. Couldn't they have just said, like, the creature only comes out at night? Like, you know what I mean? If you wanted to do an episode that was only in the dark? Yep. Is it because they really wanted to name it Rogue Planet? I think so. It's just... I mean, I what gave, else is there? I gave it a two on execution. I was baffled and horrified by this episode. This episode so, was my dramatic persona. So I gave it a three. Um, okay. So let's look. This episode's not going to crush it this week. <laughs> right. Yep. Sorry. It looks like we know who the winner is already. Um, I find it super hard to believe that no one anywhere on Earth hunts. Yeah. But also, what is the equivalent of these wraiths for us? Yeah. I mean... It's just, anyway. Also, more dumb interventionism from Archer and Phlox, who I like to think of as Team Genocide. Yeah! Earlier on, they made a really crazy decision together. Yes. That that I've just sat there going, wow, I don't even... What? <laughs> yeah, now Archer's like, can we just uh, mask their scent and protect these people? Yeah. And uh, Phlox is like, yeah, I can sure. do that. He's like, sure, well, I have some dead cells. I can definitely do that. Yeah, I'm capable of that. Uh, On the real. It's not good, dude. (laughs) It's not. Okay. It's not good. It's... Why is T'Pol on the planet at all? Yeah. It's uh, it's just... uh, There's just nothing about it is good. And everything (laughs) about it is bad. Agreed. Agreed. So, so far, I've given it three, and you've given it six. I mean, everything about it is bad and also crazy. Uh, world building, though. World building. There's some world building. Okay, I go got it. it. Here we go. Okay. Some Vulcans get mummified. Yep. That's true. There are rogue planets. Uh-huh. Wraiths. Yep. Two points. Alrighty. There's nothing. There's nothing else. There's just nothing. Oh, yeah? Well, feast your earballs on this, then. Digital camera technology got worse <laughs> over, got worse over the years. <laughs> or at the very least, it got bigger. It got the same. <laughs> He's using a Sony Handycam from when that episode was made. It was, uh, I could not believe they couldn't come up with a better... Like, come on, props department. Do something. Don't just go buy a real digital camera. I couldn't believe it. It should have gone bung bung when they turned it on. <laughs> Is it Archer's mandate? To force all aliens to interact with Starfleet? We've already seen lots of circumstances where you'd normally just go, oh, well, I guess they don't want to chat. But Archer just forces himself on everybody all the time. Oh, yeah, for sure. They try contacting these aliens when they're on the planet. Like, no response. He's like, fuck that. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. These these Vulcans? These Vulcans? They held his father back. (laughs) I've heard that. They crushed his dream right, of right, building right. the first Warp 5 engine or whatever. And these aliens are not going to crush his dream of talking And to no him. one is going to do that to Jonathan Archer. That's right. 
Admiral for John unrelated Kirk. reasons. That's right. No one's going to crush his dream of talking to an alien. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, rogue planets are a thing in Star Trek, and they can even support life based on uh, internal volcanic activity or something? Mm-hmm. But, like... It's weird all those green plants, though. But I'll, I guess they don't have to operate on photosynthesis. It does make you wonder what the leaves do. I have so many problems with Why that. they're green, for instance. How long has it been out of its orbit, and how long until being off on its own kills off all that activity? Yep. Uh, okay. Dude specifically says that it is always dark on this planet, so I guess these alien plants and trees don't need light like Earth plants. Nope. <laughs> The Doctor can apparently figure out how to create the chemical that the aliens extract and a way to mask it just by studying some dead cells. And it's mm-hmm. not even hard for him. No. <laughs> he was like, no, 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 definitely, yeah. I already yes. did it, actually. It's done. He can whip up a substitute. Yeah, that, I give it three. All right. I That's hated cool. all of it, but <laughs> some, I, I just, they did some work, I guess. That's fine, whatever. Yeah. It, listen, it doesn't matter. No. This is gonna Tell be... Me- a bad tell, tell me about the characterization, because that's all that there was in this episode, right? I'll tell you all about it. Captain doesn't like posing for photos, but Trip thinks it's fun. Banter. Archer was an Eagle Scout. Archer is back to being a stone-cold dummy. <laughs> he really wants to believe that a real woman is running around in a nightie on this rogue planet. Because mm-hmm. he's a moron. Why didn't they just call her Ruth, by the way? <laughs> It would have been so great. He fell for it just like Kirk. Reed was an Eagle Scout, too. Um, he's curious about the tactical aspects of the hunt. Uh, I guess he's supposed to be like a true soldier or something. Yeah, they have a different kind of night vision goggles, so... Yeah. T'Pol is not very diplomatic. Yep. Just accusing these guys of being animal murderers the instant they meet. And is she jealous or just tactless when she accuses her commanding officer of only giving a crap about the creature calling out to him because it's a sexy lady? Hmm. Hoshi doesn't like camping. I gave it three. And you wrote down a lot more detail than I did. (laughs) Uh, Because what I wrote is, Archer is an asshole. (laughs) And by that I don't mean that he's mean, I just mean he's just a stupid asshole the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Paul is willing to call Archer on little shit, like being excited to find a half-naked woman, but unwilling to call him on his major shit, like trying to relitigate his father's disappointments. <laughs> that said, I gave it a four. Nice! <laughs> well done. Oh, boy. You know, we uh, always talk quickly about Enterprise, but they're not giving us much. Well, there's, listen... I'll, get, they, I'll give you my quick hitters. They shouldn't well. have cast Scott Bakula. He's not good. He's not good in this role. And it also, I don't... I don't understand. We've watched six, 17 episodes now. Yeah. Who is Jonathan Archer aside from a crybaby? He's a crybaby who hates Vulcans. I don't know other than that. That's it though, right? Yeah. He's, all we have about him is he's mad about his daddy. Yep. He wants everything to go his way. Yeah. At all times. He's not good at anything. Yeah, he doesn't, like, figure out how to, like, accept that things aren't going his way. He shouldn't be in command of a ship. Let alone the first important ship. Alright, let me give you some quick hitters. Alright. 
Is the point of night vision goggles to give yourself away in the dark? <laughs> Does seem to be. Why do they glow bright green on the outside? One of these alien hunters played a bad guy in Babylon 5. Okay. And another played a bad guy in Babylon 5. Yep, and they seemed like it. I wonder if these hunters will be bad guys. Well, so- only sort of. Only sort of is the answer to that question. <laughs> uh, Oh, great. The alien's gonna come to Archer as a woman because he has no fucking common sense. You know, I want to walk it back. No, is the answer. <laughs> the answer is they're not bad guys. Well, they're they are hunting they're these sentient definitely justifying hunting this sentient life form to themselves, but they never treat anyone on Enterprise bad at all. Oh, it's, they're nice to the Enterprise people. That's true. Yeah. They're real buddy buddy with them. They bust their balls a little bit, but they're you know it's all fun. The guy's hunting this guy who killed all his papa's friends and everything. But it's mm-hmm. like, again, th- we don't, we're not left understanding them at all. That's true. Mm. When Archer talks about that poem uh-huh. and why he sees this lady in the forest, you think about how I sing of Olaf Glad and Big. Is this? Is that the writer just admitting to borrowing this story directly from that poem? Ah, uh, yes. That's what is that the writer's guilty conscience? Yes. <laughs> the writer is saying, I read this poem that I liked, so I turned it into a Star Trek episode. I'm going to have the captain say that. Well, that's fine. Nobody even nobody even bothers to hang a lampshade on it when everyone has to play Robin Hood or Mark Twain shows up. Agreed. It's true. That is a much... that Those were much more dishonest versions of this. Yes. <laughs> That's all I had. Why is Trip using an antique Sony Handycam? Check. Do these green plants not photosynthesize? Check. Uh-huh. I don't think Eagle Scouts get shitty about how many merit badges they earned. I have no idea. I don't know anything about I only knew Scouts. one Eagle Scout in high school. It was this guy, Carl. He was like, he had Wait, the most Carl schools. Carl of the Kazon Ogla? No, it's a different Carl. Okay. It was a big redhead. He had the most school spirit of anybody at the school. That's nice. He won... He won big man on campus yeah. our, our year, to, despite the fact that he's, like, a big fat nerd. Uh, only Eagle Scout I knew definitely did not seem like the kind of guy who'd be shitty about how many merit badges he had. What's the point of one night vision goggle? <laughs> I feel like that would really mess up your vision. I think it would be very bad. Very bad I don't know what I'm use. seeing. I'm seeing some stuff. Um... Uh, oh, so this is just stream of consciousness. I was mad at Archer. Definitely <laughs> don't tell anyone that the woman came back, you asshole. That's probably also when I wrote Archer's an asshole. Uh, and then, oh, thank God, sage advice from the shape-shifting beast on Dark World. <laughs> and uh, worse effects than the Red Dwarf episode, Camille. Yeah, I kept thinking that the, the alien was going to turn into the, the suction-y bug beast that Lister makes out with in that one episode. Oh, in Sirens, in yeah. In Sirens, the episode. Again, I, I chose the Red Dwarf theme because it's kind of a mashup of two goddamn Red Dwarf episodes. Exactly. In the book, there's even a rogue planet. Uh, so, whatever. Uh, uh, I gave best actor to, to Paul when she's not trying to say anything scientific. I really think that's the hardest part for her. Yeah, they need to narrow down her dialogue, find her sweet spot a little bit. Yeah. I, I thought when she was accusing Archer of uh, having lust in his heart, it, her acting was better than most of the time. So, Okay. 
Uh, I give that one to her. I think I may have previously given it to her for her hide-and-seek performance in that uh, other episode also. Yep. So basically, when she's not being shitty. And uh, was there a worst actor? I mi- did I miss it? A worst actor I gave to Archer thanking a weird siren for helping him remember a poem. <laughs> it was so dumb! It was a really dumb episode. It's like, so this poem is something that his mother read him in bed. I was 90% sure, I was 90% sure for most of the episode that the woman was going to be his mother, but as a young woman, and that's why he couldn't quite place her. And that there was going to be some, some Oedipal implications or something. And there but it's, there's still, well, I mean, there still kind of is because I mean, his mom was reading bit. him a poem, and he was yes. like imagining this sexy ass lady during yes. it. He was probably yeah. all boned out while his mom was reading him a poem. And I thought Fuck there'd be that. some some Kyle Kyle Riker shit oh. with his dad and like his maybe his mom's dead. I assume his mom's dead. We never yeah, hear about her. It's true. Maybe it's because she wasn't a great scientist like his dad. So uh, who it cares must about be something her. like that? So I assumed that there would be something there, but no, they didn't. That's too much characterization. They didn't bother. With any of that. Nope. Uh, <laughs> but you're right, he does deserve Force Actor for that last part. It was it was so bad. It's so bad and it's so it doesn't make any sense, and it's I understand that they have chosen to portray humanity of the future, although I don't think it applies to Enterprise, as people who appreciate painting and poetry and classical music and things. Yeah. Uh I'm not 100% sure what they're trying to say with that stuff most of the time. Yeah, other than that, they're in some nebulous way, they're more refined. But of all characters, to be, like, caught up in a poem? Yeah. Jonathan Archer? Yep. Who feeds his dog cheese? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You You suppose the director of this episode, while they were shooting that last shot, with the poem and everything. Did he just... Did he just, like, hand his little director's notebook or something to his assistant and go, You know what? I'm not cut out for this. <laughs> just looking at what I made. <laughs> just looking at what I, this, I, how I staged this and how I just set this whole thing up. I'm, I, don't, I don't think I can do it. You know, this might not be for takes. me. Why don't you take over see how you can do? Maybe, maybe not for me. I don't know. So what did we give this feast? All right, so... You gave this episode nine points. Single that's, digits. That's not many. That's not no. that many points. Uh, I gave it as many as, as 12, which makes it my second least favorite episode of the week. Second lowest scoring episode of the week. Uh, maybe my least favorite. It was really hard to watch and bad. Uh, so it's a total of 21. Which is bad, but bad. not as bad as DP. DP really won the day. Uh... Donkey Puncherello. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but can I just say, another bad crop. <laughs> it was it was kind of an off crop. Like, uh, the TOS one scored pretty well, but I wouldn't say it was very fun or good. Like no. it, it scored better than it was enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and the other ones were just real shit. But, you know, we don't have to guess. There's math. Uh, yeah. This week, the average score for an episode was 29 points. Not good. Last week, which we considered a pretty bad week, yeah. the average score was 30.8 points. Yeah. Um, just, just looking back, our lowest scoring ever week was 
I think there's two of them, or didn't they tie? Uh, no, we have a tie for the top scoring week, but the lowest oh. ever scoring week is uh, week six, mm. which was won by the Andorian incident. That scored oh. an average of 27 points. Yeah. So, you know, below 30 points is a is a very bad week, and this, this week was 29 points. Yep, it felt like it. Uh, it was bad all across the board. The highest average score this week was uh, Premise, which scored a 7.6. That's combined. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. I was going to say, what? Clear. <laughs> I, I don't think we scored anything higher than a 7. Just clear that that's a combined score. Hey, did either uh, of us give out a score on anything that was higher than a 7? Uh, no, and no. I did not elect to issue any 7s. So you scored two sevens for the top half of Squire of Gothos, and that was it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, scores above seven are pretty rare. Seven was the highest score last week, and in fact, last week there was only one of them. Yeah, I guess and that's true. And the week before, there were no sevens. You know, <clears throat> I just again, we need to reiterate that we are watching them in like weird random orders. Not random, but we're not watching them in the same order every week, so it's not like TOS is benefiting by being watched first or anything. Uh, it, no, in fact, it was I watched it third last week. Yes. Right right dead in the middle. Or as I like to call it, the Deep Space Nine slot, because the first 12 or 13 weeks, that's where Deep Space Nine was. Yeah, so it's like... The fact that TOS keeps winning is not just a function of us being burned out on Star Trek. These other episodes fucking suck. Yeah, we're in kind of a low point. We know that uh, we know that the next generation is going to pick up some. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, unclear if anybody else will. And the the standing logic on Deep Space Nine, by the way, is don't watch the first two seasons. Well, that means so far that's a good. But advice. unfortunately, that means we got to get through about forty more episodes. They can't. They can't keep going with this many bad ones. Thirty five, thirty six more episodes before they get good. They can't, I mean. They got they. There has to be a good one in there. I mean, what's next? Let's talk about what's next week. Yeah, let's just move ahead. So, so next week um, we have Arena. Okay, so that's the one with the Gorn, everybody. Yeah. Uh, we have Coming of Age. I am anticipating that one. I remember a lot of good things about it. Yeah. Um, Duet is the Deep Space Nine episode. They said good things about Duet in the book. People generally think that that is a good one, so I don't know. I mean, maybe they got a chance so, for so points. Maybe. For Voyager projections, I hope that's not a holodeck episode. Good. Doesn't it sound like it, though? It, I mean, it, it does, though. And most worryingly of all, for Enterprise acquisition, uh, a, a word that is, in Star Trek, associated 100% with the Ferengi. Not only that, Netflix showed me a screenshot of Ferengis. There should not be... I know. Ferengis in I, Enterprise. You know, a few weeks ago I was like, you know what, I don't actually remember them showing them. I think we might be safe. No, we're not safe. In The Next Generation, nobody knew what a Ferengi looked like. Yeah. This... When it turned out they were five-foot-tall bucktooth trolls. <laughs> they immediately undercut their new arch-villain. Yep. What are you uh, doing? <laughs> when it turned out that they were... a a weird, way out of date pastiche of Jews. Yes, exactly. It was very strange. Dude, this is what Enterprise does, man. They just they try to do what the prequels did to Star Wars. They just want to ruin everything. What They're like, that? not only are we gonna suck, but we're gonna make everything that came before us suck. You're not supposed to want that. 
I know! That's terrible. They do that all the time, where they pick something, and you go, no, 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 you can do anything but that. We were told in the other show this was the first time that ever happened. You can't do that. Just do anything else. And they're like, no, we're doing it different. We're doing it our own way. You have a whole universe of things that you could choose from. Don't do this. Don't do this thing. Don't do this thing. Makes me so mad. Don't do this thing. They do it, though. They just keep doing it. Uh, The winner is TOS. Yep, once again. That's its eighth win in 17 episodes. That's not bad. And uh, 43 is uh, much higher than its average, which was at uh, a little over 35. So uh, it's going to bring the average up a little bit this week. Okay. Um, TNG will be a slight dip. Voyager uh, actually scored quite a bit higher than its current average. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, DS9 and Enterprise stepped in it this week. Yeah, they did. DS9's average is racing to the bottom. (laughs) I don't know how they do it. Again, Duet has to get points. Because I don't know. Can they just make 40 bad episodes in a row? Like, ah. Oh, no, because Progress scored 40 points. Oh, that's right. I gave him some points. You, you, well, I mean, even I gave him 15, which would be a good score for Deep Space Nine. Uh, but you gave him, you did give him 25 points for Progress, and uh, I think I've only ever, 25 points is the highest I've ever given an episode, which was Balance of Terror. Yep. Uh, wait, is that true? What did I give where no one has gone before? Yeah, even where no one has gone before, which I gave a ton of points for world building, uh, I only gave a total of 22 points. Yeah. Because the character work was bad. So yeah, the one vo- the one uh, DS9 episode that just tried to tell one story and not and like make an effort on one story got some points. So maybe that'll be next week. And it was not like uh, not about something crazy came through the wormhole and nope. the whole station went nuts and everyone went crazy. It was like a small contained story. Yep. Sometimes yeah. you just gotta be you gotta know the scope of your story and then just do a good job. You know. But. Uh, Look at this TNG run that's coming up, though. Okay. Coming of age. Again, I anticipate that one. I, I it is, it's got some some bonkers Starfleet Academy stuff. It's got some really weird investigating the Enterprise stuff. Should yeah. be good. Heart of Glory. Okay, well, it's got some insane Klingon stuff in it. It's pretty insane. The stuff yep. that happens in Heart of Glory. <laughs> yes. The Arsenal of Freedom. I we've been waiting for years. I think. A long for, time. For many years. Symbiosis. A That's, very classic TNG episode. It's got some Kind real, of the TNG prototype episode, right? It's going to teach us some lessons, but are they the right lessons? We'll see. <laughs> yeah. uh, then, of course, Skin of Evil. Yeah. I don't That'll know. Be. I mean, world building, it'll probably get points because Yar dies, right? That's some world building. Is that, I guess that's world building. <laughs> oh, and we're going to know, we're going to learn so much about funerals. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a lot of points. Oh, I'm already looking forward to giving the worst actor to Troy in that episode. Because <laughs> she's gotten that shuttle box. She's just in that shuttle Acting with, against nobody. With Ben or whatever, and he's dead. Yep, dead Ben. He's not dead. He survives, doesn't he? I don't know. I think he does survive. He's nobody. Yeah, she's just acting against an oil slick. It's very good. No. Data something's got me. That's going to be a great episode. <laughs> I forgot about that. Continuity errors where data something's got me right into the goop. Yeah. It's good stuff. Okay, you know what? There's a lot. I don't know how well they're going to score, but a lot of entertainment is coming up. Oh, it might score low. I'm still looking forward to it. Yeah. 
um, yeah, that's so that's that run is coming up. So all is not lost. Well, good because when I saw when the bow breaks was coming up and then home soil, it was like, ooh, I don't remember enjoying those at all. When the bow breaks is so bad. At least if the episodes are going to suck, they should be entertaining, and I think the ones you've described the coming up will at least fit that bill. That's my anticipation. I did I did stop at Skin of Evil because the one after it is will always have Paris. Yeah, it's not entertaining. Uh, which is not great, but after that, we do have Conspiracy in the Neutral Zone. So. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Conspiracy is good and the Neutral Zone is bad, but we'll deal with that. Yeah. At least the Neutral Zone ends on something. So, no need for a tie break this time, so Ben is safe. Yes. If he sends us his scores, we will update everything. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll let I'll let everyone know what the pick of the week was for Ben, and uh, I have to imagine he's going to pick the Squire of Gothos. He's such a TOS guy, and it's such a classic episode. Yeah. Uh, if anybody uh, is interested, next week is a mailbag, um, so send us some mail. Yep. And we will read it. And uh, you can always send that to at BrotherDate on the Tweet Machine. Uh, you can uh, find us at BrotherDate.com. You can iTunes or whatever, you, however you want to listen to it. And, uh, you know, we'll be back for more. More punishment. More punishment, everybody. See you, see you later. Spaghetti! I'll go. I'll go, I'll do it. I'll do this one. Why don't you? Check this one out. Listen to this, fuckers. Please subscribe.